participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, October 6, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, chilly Wednesday, New York City. Last show for a week. I told you last, uh, last show on Monday. I told you we're off this coming Monday. Indigenous Peoples Day. So uh, get us while you can. And my friends, we got a lot to discuss with a lot of interesting people. We don't have 17 guests on today's show. We have five spectacular guests. We got GC and Helwani. We got your questions on the nose. Hit us up, arielhelwani.substack.com. That's where you can leave said questions. I hope they're good. I hope they're dicey. I hope they're juicy. I hope they're succulent. And, uh, I hope they're the ones I'm looking for, because we got a few things to uh, to discuss. And and you know, 
do we want to do we want to go there do we want to take the high road or do we want to take the low road do we want to take the high road do we want to take the low road you know what i'm gonna say when they go low we now go lower that's the new motto of this program it's no more going high we're now going lower so stay tuned for that it's going to be a fun time on today's program later in the show uh, we are going to talk to Zhang Wei Li, the former UFC strawweight champion. Of course, she returns to action on November 6th. Madison Square Garden against Rose Namunis. It's a, uh, a rematch of a fight that happened back in April. Looking forward to talking to Zhang, who is now uh, living in uh, Arizona, training uh, out of uh, Fight Ready in Arizona. Headman Eddie Cha. I'm hearing like a weird thing in my uh, headphones. Is that just me or are you guys hearing it as well? Hearing what? I'm hearing like a weird um, feedback thingy in my headphones. If it's just me, I can live with it. I just want to make sure that no one else is hearing it. It's just you for now. All right. Someone's, uh, someone's trying to mess with me. Get me off my game. But we are unflappable here. So anyway, Zhang Wei Li is going to join us uh, at around 3.30, talked to her about the title fight, the rematch, the loss, why she moved to Arizona, um, the short hair, a lot going on in her life. Uh, we will also talk to TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw, of course, coming off that fight against Corey Sanhagen, hotly contested fight, close fight. Uh, he got the nod, had to have surgery after. We spoke to Corey Sanhagen on Monday, talked to him about the bantamweight division, about his return. It's been a while since I talked to uh, TJ Dillashaw, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk to Tommy Fury at 2 o'clock, the younger half-brother of Tyson Fury. What an interview that was on Monday. What a conversation. I'm looking forward to talking to Tommy very much. You know how I feel about those eyes, those baby blues. But that conversation with Tyson, I think, as I've had some time to digest, I think might be my top five Top five favorite interview of all time. Special stuff. It was really cool. He went to a special place, and I'm very appreciative, and I can't wait for Saturday. Fury Wilder 3. So we'll talk to Tommy Fury. 2.30, we'll do GC and Hawani, so get the betting slips ready. Uh, at 1.20, we're going to be joined by Bellator President Scott Coker, and he's going to break multiple pieces of news. So call your friends, call your mom, call your neighbors, call your sister, your brother, your dog, your cat. Let the employees at P.F. Chang's know at 120, multiple pieces of news from the man Scott Coker. But first, let's go to the Zoom machine and say hello to one half of the UFC headliner on Saturday night, the one and only Mackenzie Dern, kind enough to join us. And she's got a very tight schedule, they told me. If you go past 115, she's going to come here and choke you out. So I won't do that. Mackenzie, how are you? I'm good. They didn't tell you that we run on Brazilian time. Brazilian time is always, you okay. know, 10. <laughs> That's perfect. So that means I could go late with you and no one's going to get mad at me, right? Because Jordan told me, don't go late. Am I allowed to be on Brazilian time too or just you? <laughs> yeah, we can be on Brazilian time. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all good. All good. I'm a man of my word, so we'll get you out here on time. Mackenzie, congratulations on all your success as of late. Big deal for you. Main event, first time in the UFC. I haven't talked to you in a while. And I just I, the, the part that I've been blown away by is the transformation of your your game, your skills, but also your your physique, the muscles, the strength. Who is responsible for all of this? Because it seems like ever since you became a mom, you have leveled up. You've got that mom strength now, and it's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think definitely the last fights, like with Nina, she was my first top five. So 
I was finally, I felt I was caught, I was caught up with um, just kind of timing and all the things I had, I had missed out or like kind of fallen back during my whole pregnancy. So the strength training was kind of like the last thing I was thinking about. I was just kind of like, man, I want to be able to get, you know, throwing punches again and just feeling comfortable. Uh, so then my fight with Nina, I'm like, hey, this is top five. We got to, we got to take to the next, next, you know, notch, you know, next level. So then I brought in Rogério Camões. He's the strength trainer for Anderson Silva. He's worked like with Vitor Belfort, with a lot of different people, Jacare Souza um, from Brazil. He's a longtime family friend. He's like my uncle, you know, my dad back from their judo days. So he's been really helping me get my strength training. He stays two months out here with me, just kind of making sure I, I do all my um, strength training like the right way and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, it's just the more I was seeing like how you do everything the right way and take everything serious, the things work, you know, it's like it's amazing. <laughs> you kind of. Yeah, it's really that easy, you know. It's not that it's easy, but, you know, when you work hard and um, you start to have the results, not just, like, temporary results. You start to have long-term results, and that's that's what's really, really good. And I'm seeing the things working out. And, like, before, it was kind of good. My first UFC fights, I kind of was um, trying to develop in the UFC, you know, like, working my striking, like, hey, go out in these brawls and things like that. And now, um, as you get closer to being, like, the champ and things like that, Everyone's just so good, you know, so you really need to take advantage of what your strengths are. Uh, obviously, I'm seeing that the ground is way is at a different level than the other girls in the division. So I just need to take advantage of that. And I'm I'm under, I kind of got out of the way all those brawling times. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, that was important to show people that, hey, if I need to do that, stay the five rounds brawling on striking and everything, I can do it. I'm not scared to break my nose or whatever. But, um, I, you know, it's still the most dangerous on the ground. So. Definitely, I think just everything's kind of coming together, and I'm happy. I'm, I think that's when it's important when you're happy doing what you do. Uh, everything flows more. So I will be honest with you, Mackenzie. Obviously, we've heard about you for a long time, and you were doing great things in jujitsu, and then you come over to MMA, and there was a lot of hype surrounding you. But let's be honest: in the early days, there were some stumbles, the weight, all this stuff. And and I was hearing from people, oh, you know, she's not dedicated. She doesn't want to get punched. She doesn't want to spar. And I wondered how long you would stick around. And then you became a mom. And then, you know, that's a, a great reason to not fight anymore. And so I was wondering. Instead, what happened was you became infinitely better. But be honest with me. Was there a point in those early days with the weight and the scale and the drama and all that where you were like, you know what? Who needs this crap? I don't need to do this anymore. L let me just go back to a simple life, the jiu-jitsu life. I'll have a family. I don't want to do this cage fighting stuff. Were you ever close to saying no mas, no more? No, I never. No, no, no. I never had like um, a problem getting punched in the face, you know, or things like that. I always liked to do it. Um, was always kind of like, you know, brought out kind of that um, aggression in me mm -hmm. and things like that. But um, you know, I was, it was having fun. You know, it's just kind of like okay. Getting, I was liking kind of the, all the tension, you know, I would go like to Brazil and just parties and all these, you know, like, you know, oh, I just did a UFC fight. You're kind of like getting famous and things like that. So I was having fun. I was liking it, you know, it's just, it's very temporary, you know, that as soon as I became pregnant, I saw like, okay, lost the sponsors. Uh, everyone just kind of like basically left you, you know, like kind of gave up on you kind of thing like, oh, you're not going to come back. And people were seeing the potential of me before me. I wasn't even thinking about the belt when I was in the UFC. I was just taking one fight at a time and, you know, enjoying the ride and things like that. And definitely, um, I always knew I I'd be like active even after I have a baby, you know, because I grew up watching my dad compete. That's like some of the best life lessons, just watching my dad make weight, cut weight, 
wins and the losses and all the hard work he's been through. So I definitely knew I wanted to kind of pass that to my to my kid, even if she would be a fighter or not, you know, but in her life, you know, those are definitely some good uh, habits and good life lessons to take with you. So I knew I'd still be active. And as soon as I was pregnant and I knew I lost all the fans, I was like, man, I need to get back as soon as possible. That's even why, not that I lost because of the pregnancy, but I 100% knew that coming back four months post post-pregnancy, uh, my chances of losing were obviously a little bit higher than if I didn't, you know, but that could have been like a knee injury. It could have been a back injury. It could have been like a, you know, I don't know, a mindset problem. And anytime you stay too, too long out from being punched in the face with bronze gloves, you know, you have a little bit higher chance. That's like, um, training, you know, you mm-hmm. need to kind of get used to getting that hundred percent people trying to like break your nose, elbow you and things like that. So no matter how much sparring you do, and nothing compares just to being in there and that momentum of fighting and fighting and fighting like the 100% like we did. So from the beginning of my career, I've always kind of done back-to-back fights from LFA to Invicta to the UFC. It was kind of like my debut was in March. Then I fought again in Rio in May. Then I got pregnant. But then when I came back, it's like in October, uh, April, you know, just keep going, going. Now I'm like maybe a little bit over a year, two, two years, and I've done this will be my sixth fight. So, yeah, I just like to keep the momentum going, you know, and, uh, yeah, I'm growing as a fighter and it, you realize each step you go, it's like, okay, now we're top five. Okay. Now we're going to be the champion. You need to keep stepping up your level and just evolving. And Jason Perillo has been helping me with that. Oh, yeah. So it's really, really good. I see the difference. Obviously, uh, Jason, one of the best coaches in the game, you win on Saturday, McKenzie, what makes sense next? Do you want the, are you going to call for Valentina? Are you going to say you want her next? What are you going to say? You're going to get on the <laughs> microphone and you're going to call out Valentina. Is that what you're saying? McKenzie? Man, I need to beat Rose or Jung Wei Lee first before I go up a weight class. Oh, come on. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely have plans to go up a weight uh, a little bit in the future. But no, this fight is so important. I'm looking at this fight like it's a title fight. You know, I'm not even thinking about Rose or Jung Wei Lee. They fight, I think, November 6th, one month after us, yes, you know. Yes. So I'm looking at Marina as this is a title fight because I really believe that um, depending how this fight goes, uh, I could be up next for the for the belt, you know. So definitely we're not in a rush if I see, like, maybe I won, but still had some um, spots. I mean, Marina, she's a straight-up Muay Thai striker, you know. So I think this would be a great test to see, like, okay, how I will do, do with the top, you know, top yeah. two girls, attempt, you know. So if I go in a perfect performance, you know, no holes, nothing like that, for sure I'll probably do that. You know, I've always wanted to do that, like, call out with the yes, belt, you know. yes. Um, but if not, may, who knows, maybe Carlos Spaza will want to fight, fight, you know, I don't know if she'll want to wait out, um, until we see who wins and then when the champ will want to fight again, but I definitely want to keep momentum. So I don't want to stay too, too long waiting for the champ. The champ can kind of choose when they want to fight. Right. Sure. So, and, and because yeah. of the timing, that's, you know, the reason I brought up Valentina was because I know you fought at 125 before and there's a bit of a backlog at 115 and there's no one for Valentina. So I thought maybe you'd want to jump up, but it sounds like you're comfortable at 115. Like maybe you'll never fight at 125 again. Is that fair? No, no, I'll fight, I'll fight for sure. Definitely. I'm, okay. I definitely want to go up a weight. Like you said, I fought there before. You know, my weight's good. I'm I'm 117 this morning, wow. so I'm doing like a basically on weight. But definitely I want to gain some muscle and go up and kind of be like a 125 or not not how I was the old McKenzie, yes, you know, yes, like yes. the new reno, renovated, re, re, reinvented yes, uh, McKenzie. Yes, yes, and a reinvigorated as well. Now, do you travel with your daughter? Do you bring her with you? Yes, I don't know. You have like, I have the toys. I have the oh. her blanket here. She's here, thankfully. The the kind of uh, not quarantined now, so yes. it's crazy. My from Hannah Cyphers in April 
was the beginning of the pandemic. My daughter's like on the other hotel and I'm like saying hi to her before I go to the fight. Um, so now her just like running around and causing around the hotel. So it's definitely fun, the new experiences, but it's cool. Like kind of everyone in the UFC is like knows her, you know, and just getting used to her and it's really fun. Do you feel like it grounds you? Like it gives you perspective because on fight week, it's all about the fight and it's so intense and it can consume your mind, but you have to be a mom too. You have to be there for your daughter. And she's, I mean, she's very dependent on you. She's what, less than two years old at this point or around two years old? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two years old, two. two and three months. So do you do you almost feel like, because I could see some people saying, oh, it's a distraction, it's too much, but I'm wondering if it's actually a blessing because it allows you to think about other things and prioritize your life. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I, for me, it helps. You know, I like to be, uh, a lot of people like to kind of leave their home and, you know, get into that, like you said, get into that competition mindset. For me, I like to be as norm, like, normal as possible, almost like it's one day in this training, one day in the sparring. Um so unless you have like crazy jet lag, or it's, I don't know, Abu Dhabi or something, I try to go like as close as I can to the fight. Uh, thankfully, I have my husband here too. So he definitely helps me. But um, like this last night, Moa, she sleeps on, on the bed next to us. And she likes waking up. She wants to like hold my hand while she's sleeping. And at home, she sleeps in her bed all by herself, you know. But I think because we're here in this like little area, she's like a little bit more, um, you know, wanting to be closer. Sure. So my husband definitely helps me a lot. He's he, he like he'll take her out for doing interviews or something like that but it's good it's definitely good to have her here and just that that's the whole reason why i fight you know that's the motivation so i have my motivation with me every step of the way it's like i don't need to keep reminding myself but it's like normal there mm -hmm. well uh i hope that uh, jordan and tim over at paradigm are watching because it's exactly one fifteen zero zero. they said you can't go past one we're going to cut your head off and so i'm out of time <laughs> unfortunately you're a very busy star you're the main event mckenzie you, you gave us a little bit of time. I'm very appreciative. I'm very happy for your success. Congratulations on everything you've done up until this point. And this is a great fight. I don't think enough people are talking about it. You versus Marina Rodriguez is going to be an amazing fight. And I really do think that the winner could be in that discussion. It's a little bit tight at the top there with the championship fight next month. And you got Carla away. But I think that you're maybe one fight away at that point from getting what you really want. And that's the title fight. So good luck to you. Parabéns. Obrigado. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Ariel. I think like my last fight, you had um, put a tweet or something that I was I had the I was the record with the most first round wins, you know. So thank you so much for always throwing out those data and those news and stuff like that. So thanks so much. It was good talking with you. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck to you. There she is, Mackenzie Dern, and it's still one fifteen for the record. For those that said I'm not a man of my word, I am always a man of my word. You tell me you gotta squeeze me in on the busy media day that we're not for whatever reason, privy to, I will make it happen. All we're trying to do is shine a positive light on the great athletes involved in this sport. All we're trying to do is shine a positive light on the sport itself. That's what we're here to do. Big time main event this Saturday. What a great card. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. 
so there's a lot of interesting things on this card and the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash MMA dot com. Yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. What a, what, hey, what a great day of fighting. I think the, the, the prelim started like 1 Eastern, main card 4 Eastern, till 7 Eastern, and then you could stick with my old friends at ESPN Plus from start to finish because then we got Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Numero 3, part 3, lineal heavyweight championship bout. I'm excited. I'll probably be watching that one from La Belle Provence in Montreal. Maybe I'll stop by my old stomping grounds of Champ Sports on Saint Laurent Street, where I watched GSP beat Matt Hughes back at UFC, I believe it was 56, and the place exploded like the Canadians had just won the Stanley Cup. Oh my God, I just forgot something. One second. Remember last week, DJ said he was going to hook me up? Demetrius Johnson, man of his word. Oh my God, I was going to kill myself. No, obviously, I'm, I'm getting a little crazy here, but I, I felt bad because he, you know, promised. He said, hey, I'm sending you this. You better put it on the... I said, DJ, my word. Here I am talking about my word. I almost forgot. So that's the unboxing. Shout out to Unbox Therapy. I'll just put the box right over here. Look at this thing. This is great. DJ, remember last week on the show? Throw to the clip, Connor. Do you have the clip? No, I'm joking. We don't have the clip. Uh, here's DJ. Look at that. Mighty Mouse. This is a good one. Should I put it here? Can you see it? Yeah, it's right there. Ooh, look at that slot right there. Perfect. Look at that slot. Look at Mighty Mouse just settling in right over there. Thank you to Mighty Mouse and his, uh, his wife, Destiny, for hooking me up with this. Look at that. I love this. I got my friends all here. You know, I want to give a shout out to this artist. His name is, uh, I think, Mateus. He, uh, he made these for me. Look at these pieces of art. I've been meaning to shout these out. Habib, Robbie Lawler. What about that clip with Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz? You good? You good in life? That was powerful stuff. Did you guys see that? I have another one. Bisping. Look at this stuff. This is amazing. And uh, there's a, a fourth one right here. Look at this. Izzy. Oh, his, his card is right here. Let me get the name right. Uh, Matt, yeah. Oh, Instagram, Matt, M-A-T-T-E-S-S-O-M-A-R-T. Mattis Omart. I'm pretty sure I'm reading that incorrectly. Mattis, 
Matessum Art. I'm pretty sure art is the word. Anyway, look at this stuff. Thank you very much to him. People send me all kinds of things. Just like DJ sent me this toy, which I love. Just like uh, all these bobbleheads that we have here. In fact, some of these are from uh, our good friends over at uh, Bellator. And in a matter of moments, let everyone know, Scott Coker is going to be joining us, the Bellator president, to break some news. Scott Coker is going to be joining us to break some news. A few pieces of news, by the way. And some of them are good, like in terms of stature, big, large pieces of news. You know, there's, there's, there's multiple, dare I say four, maybe even five. <clears throat> now, do I have a bit of a heads up here? Yes, I'm not trying to, you know, be ignorant and uh, pretend like I don't know exactly what's going on. And so I could tell you that I think some of them are pretty juicy. And I can also tell you that uh, some of them we talked about very recently. Of course, Bellator recently had an event on Friday in London, MVP and Douglas Lima 2, hotly contested affair, and it ended in, uh, in a decision, a split decision, a victory for MVP, so he avenged his loss to Douglas Lima, uh, a somewhat controversial, I don't think it was a robbery like I said on Monday, but it was, you know, most people thought, people I respect, I scored it as well, I thought that uh, Douglas Lima won the fight, our man GC profited, from the questionable decision. And uh, this has brought up a bunch of talk about the rounds. We'll see if that comes into play. They had the event with Yoel Romero recently as well, making his debut, uh, a three-round loss as well. Decision loss. And their next event is Bellator 268, October 16th. And that's the event headlined by Vadim Nemkov, the light heavyweight champion in the uh, in the tournament. Ryan Bader, Corey Anderson also on the card. Benson Henderson, Brent Primus, Henry Corrales against Vladislav Parubenchenko. Uh, and then the following week, they have an event in uh, in Russia. Fyodor Milenko returning the last emperor against Big Tim Johnson. Tali Minikov on the card. Usman Nurmagomedov, who I'm very excited about, also on the card. Rustam Khabilov on the card against Andrei Koreshkov. There's a lot to like. There's a lot going on in the world of Bellator. Of course, they recently uh, linked up with the good folks over at Showtime, my good friends over at Showtime, uh, part of the P.F. Chang's crew. So let us go without further ado to the magic of Zoom and say hello to the one and only the Bellator president, my old friend. Scott Coker, the birthday boy, who <laughs> celebrated his, what, 35th birthday on Sunday, Scott? Yeah, you know what, plus a couple, maybe 20 <laughs> plus 20 years, Ariel, but it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a good time, it's been a great ride, and I love what I'm doing, and I'm just going to keep pounding away, buddy. Back on Showtime, I haven't talked to you in a while, does it feel good to be back on yeah. the old uh, the old uh, premium cable network that, of course, you had a lot of success with, with uh, Strikeforce back in the day? Yeah, it's really like a uh, you're reuniting with the family, basically, because the people that were there yeah. back in the Strikeforce days are still here. So you have David Dinkins with production, you have Crystal Basio, 
PR, Sheila Mills and marketing, Steve Moon's still there. When, when, uh, when we, uh, you know, sold strike force to the UFC, Steven was actually, just, I think he just came on board a year or two, uh, you know, in that relationship. So yeah, it's like the same team. No, no one has changed over there. And then you had our team and we got a lot of great, uh, you know, talented people here at Beltor and, it's been it's been a lot of fun, uh, you know, putting all this all these pu- puzzles together. Yeah, and of course, you also have Morrow behind the microphone. I mean, in many respects, it feels like a Amazing. reunion. Yeah, it is really. Uh, I mean, it's to me, it's the best the best broadcast team in the business, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really enjoying it and having a great time. And it's it's nice to uh, you know to see the guys getting the uh, you know all the additional pieces that Showtime's making the all access pieces that are coming out. We have a lot of great social digital content coming up uh, here next year. And uh, we're, you know, we're excited about 22. Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, yes, I know that for sure. I don't know if you know, but I was, uh, you know, it's like, say, a distant cousin of the Showtime team. It was part of that Jake Paul broadcast with Tyron Woodley. I don't know if you saw me in the ring, you know, a ringside. Oh, it was, uh, it was Let me tell you, I, I watched the fight. I watched the fight. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, I mean, I think you did an amazing job. Oh, thanks. I'm just saying that because I'm on your show, but you did a great job. And, uh, you know, I think you should be uh, doing some of the Bellator fights, too, oh. not just Showtime Boxing. You know, come wow. on now. Okay, well, you know, for now, I'm just, it was just a one-off. So I'll put you in touch with my uh, my agents, and we'll see if we can. Uh... Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh, let me hold on to my checkbook here real yeah, quick. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> I have been told by the best PR team in the business, CJ Tuttle, Danny Brenner, I've been told by them, I'm going to name drop them here because they do a phenomenal job. Uh, getting the word out about Bellator, that you have come bearing gifts, Scott, that you have multiple, not just one. Sometimes you come on one piece of news, but you're coming on in a very giving mood and you're going to break multiple pieces of news for us. Is that accurate? <laughs> yes, that's accurate. And uh, a lot of it has been in the works for months and months. Um, but the first piece of news is Chris Cyborg's return. Okay. She is going to fight on November 12th at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. And her opponent's going to be uh, Sinead uh, Kavanaugh. So that's going to be uh, her next title defense. And it'll be live on Showtime. Uh, and that's going to be on December 12th. Okay. And so that will be for the Bellator Women's Featherweight title, the return of one of the greatest of all time, Chris Cyborg, uh, who's looked very good since coming over to Bellator against Sinead Kavanaugh, of course, of Ireland. You have a, uh, a nice roster, of course, of Irish fighters, you've got uh, James Gallagher and uh, Peter Queeley, who we may hear some more about. He's fighting in November as well. Uh, that's 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 great to hear that Chris is coming back. By the way, side note, because I'll have a couple of side note questions for you here. Uh, I think, okay. you know, if all goes well, and I, is this the first time you're at the uh, Hard Rock in Hollywood? Yes. Uh, you know, Bellator was there, I want to say, uh, back 2012, 2011, back in the day before I came on board. But uh, this will be the first time that we've gone to the uh, the Hard Rock there, and really, what what uh, inspired us really to to have that conversation was uh, Stephen uh, Espinosa's friend uh, uh, Keith Shelton now is uh, an executive there from from Barclays uh, from the boxing program. They did a lot of business together, and uh, they made the relationship. Uh, we all linked up, and we thought it was a good fit. And yeah, I think you'll be seeing a lot of fights uh, with Bellator at uh, at different Hard Rocks, uh, hotel, and casinos around the country. Uh, in 22 and moving forward. Okay, you know, off the top of my head, and and I might be wrong, this is literally off the top of my head. I didn't know where the fight was going to happen. I think one of the greatest fights in Bellator history happened there, and that's uh, Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler, back in 2011. In fact, coincidentally, I want, you know, I don't want to get this wrong. I'm just going to look it up real quick. Coincidentally, the night that fight happened, 
uh, we were in the same building. Do you know where we where we were the night that great Bellator fight happened? The first Michael Chandler Eddie Alvarez fight. That was in eleven. That was in eleven. Yes. And what month was that? It was November of two thousand and eleven. November nineteenth. I've just confirmed the Eddie Alvarez. Uh, Michael Chandler, one fight happened at Bellator 58 in Hollywood, Florida. So the same location. I was at the SAP Center, formerly known as the HP Pavilion, for UFC 139. I do believe the very first mm. UFC event in San Jose because of the sale opened the door months prior. And I think you were in attendance, right? Yeah, I think it wasn't Kung that Lee the... Fought, uh, the Dan Lee Henderson. Kung Lee fought... Uh, uh, Vandalay Silva. Yes. I believe. Yes. Right? And then I think Dan Henderson fought uh, Shogun. That's right. One of Is the greatest correct? fights of all time. Yes. That was an amazing fight. Yeah. That, I, I was definitely there and, and had a good time with some great fights. And, you know, listen, I was rooting for Kong. Didn't work out for him. You know, he ran out of gas a little bit towards the end. But, uh, you know, it was a great fight, great matchup. Was that a weird one for you to be at a UFC event in your home building? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, <laughs> listen, any anytime I was in their offices or, you know, and they were very respectful. Don't get me wrong. And everything Lorenzo said that he was going to do, they did it. And but it's just so so just surreal to be there and going. You know, like well, this is just a weird experience. Being at the fights is like you know, it's just a, a weird experience. But when I look back on it, you know, it's all meant to be, and, and it's all part of the journey. And and uh, now it's all about Bellator. That's right. That's right. Uh, so that was a great night. So you're going back there. By the way, that's November twelfth, correct? Yeah, November 12th. November 12th. All right, so that's the first piece. We'll check it off. I got my pencil right here, Scott. Check it off. Chris Cyborg, exclusive. By the way, when all you people write the articles about these pieces of news, I want you to say, per Scott Coker on the MMA Hour, okay? So put some respect on our names. Uh, that's the first <laughs> the piece in. of news. Get that yes. plug in. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you have to source correctly. So per Scott Coker on the MMA Hour, Chris Cyborg is fighting Sinead Kavanaugh, getting a big... She's been talking a lot. She's been hitting me up on Twitter a lot over the past year. She wanted this fight, right? I'm assuming she raised her hand and said, yes, please, when you offered it to her. She didn't run. You didn't have to twist her arm. No, she came looking uh, for Cyborg and, uh, you know... They've been after us for six months, five months. And so finally we said, okay, let's do it. Let's get it on. You want her that bad? And before there was a little bit of, you know, we couldn't get uh, certain fighters into the country or this, mm -hmm. you know, the, the restriction of travel. Uh, but now that, that uh, uh, we got the proper visas, it just took a long time. Uh, but here we are. I mean, this is going to be, I think it's going to be a slugfest, man. This girl's a tough girl. She's going to bring it. She's in a great camp over there in Ireland with SVG. Uh, you, you know the kind of the quality of fighters they have there. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great fight. Okay, and by the way, no Katzengano, huh? I thought maybe she would be next. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, we're gonna have a conversation with Kat, and I think that uh, she will fight the winner of uh, this matchup oh. as early as maybe February of next year. Because uh, you know the, the the cyborg or Kavanaugh, they want to stay busy. So whoever wins this fight, we're gonna turn it around as quick as we can. Uh, early in uh, 22. Okay, interesting. And, and the, what I was getting at earlier was, I feel like one of the biggest fights you can put on in 22, if all goes well with Cyborg, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison. I feel She's about to become a free agent. You know she has mm -hmm. one fight left. Mm -hmm. I think the world of her, I think she's about to become one of the biggest stars in the sport, the face of women's MMA. She is an absolute beast, top 10 pound for pound. Do you have interest? Can you even say if you have interest with one fight left on her well, deal. Well, the thing is, listen, here, here is what I'll say. Any free agent that's out there mm -hmm. that's uh, in the 145-pound weight class and the female that is uh, at, a, at a certain level or elite level, you know, like uh, she is, listen, 
we are we are we are in the free agent business and uh you know we are we are interested in any female that's that's available they can fight at that level and uh i think you know let's let's see what happens because i i do understand she will become a free agent here after this next fight and uh you know if she is a free agent at that time we'll have a conversation with her and uh take it from there but you know we're not trying to you know get involved with their business and and sure. and, and you know other companies businesses and it's but you know listen if there's an area if they're a free agent you know give us a call we're open for business i hear them often calling them if i'm being i'm not trying to stir the pot but they're saying they're the number two and uh <laughs> that feels like shots well, fired you if you ask me what do you what do you what do you think <laughs> well uh i think your roster is deeper than theirs yeah and listen i think that uh, you know the body of work that we've done over the last you know five six years building this business i mean you know, I don't think uh, outside the UFC, there's any other companies that can go, let's say for, for instance, there's a London fight that we just did, you know, sell 10,000 tickets, you know, have uh, arguably the, the biggest game we've ever had in, in, in the UK and in Europe, uh, have a great TV deal with the BBC airing it live. I mean, if you, if you just look at the body of work and the accomplishments that this, you know, company has put together with the staff that we have and Viacom, you know, pushing it over the last five years, uh, and add this is the healthiest and this is the the best roster that we've ever had and we have we have fighters i believe that could beat fighters in the ufc and 35 and 45 and 205 and and then there's gegard i mean it's you know the, the list goes on and on and on so to me it's like you know you i think you you i think you know who's number two come on now <laughs> all right um <laughs> we all know okay i like that fighting words from scott coker okay uh that's number one number two what do you got uh, the next thing is the 155-pound um, belt held by Patricio Pitbull. Uh, he's going to let it go. And now the main event for the fight in Ireland on November 5th uh, is going to be uh, Quilly versus his brother, Patricky. But that will now be uh, a title shot uh, for the winner of that belt. I think it's the first time we've had a, a title fight in, in Ireland uh, and uh, for Bellator. And so I think it's going to be a big deal. And I think that these guys deserve it. Uh, and, uh, I think that, uh, you know, you should ask Patricio, you know, what his thought process uh, on this was, but we were just asking him, you know, what do you want to do next? And this kind of, this conversation just kind of came into, you know, his thoughts. And then I said, okay, well then we'll, we'll fulfill your wishes. And, and here we are. So now we have a great, uh, main event and the, uh, uh, the Gallagher mix will be the semi main event. So we have a great one, two punch in Ireland. Uh, and that's going to be on uh, November 5th. And it's gonna, also going to be live on Showtime. I love it. And by the way, kudos to you guys. Last Friday, you were in London, but you were live live. And so we were able to watch the uh, MVP Lima fight exactly when it happened, which is the way all fights should be in 2021. So that's huge. So to recap, Patricio Pitbull, who at one point not that long ago was the double champ, 145 and 155. Unfortunately, he slips against AJ McKee back in July. Um, you know, what a great scene that was in Inglewood. Also still had the belt. He is saying, I'm giving it up. I want my brother to fight for the belt. So now Patricky Pitbull versus Peter Queeley, another Irish fighter who's doing big things there and is getting an opportunity to fight double, is now going to be for the vacant 155-pound title on November 5th. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. And how? And, and you know what, Scott? I mean, we, we make things... I don't know if you know this. We've been off for a few years. We're the number one show in MMA. We always have been the number one show in MMA. We just needed to give some people some time to catch up. So without further ado, you just mentioned Patricio Pitbull, one of the best fighters on the planet. Let's bring in Mr. Patricio Pitbull, who's joining us right now from Brazil to explain why he's made this decision. Patricio, my friend, obrigado for the time. How are you? 
I'm good, my friend. How about you? I'm doing great. So, Scott Coker, the boss, just announced you are vacating the 155-pound title, and as a result, your brother, Patricky Pitbull, is going to fight Peter Queeley on November 5th in a rematch to uh, see who's the new champion. Why did you decide to give up the title? Uh, first thing is, I lost the featherweight division, and for me, it don't make sense to be a champion in the lightweight division. If I lost in 145 pounds, I can't be the champion in the 155. So, in the other side, I have my brother as a number one contender, and if he keeps winning, he's gonna fight for the belt, and I am not, not gonna fight my brother. That's it. Wow. My focus is in a rematch. Okay, it sound you cut up there for a second. It, it sounded like you said your focus is the AJ McKee rematch. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, and so it's a great thing that we have the boss man here, Scott Coker. I feel like that's the fight to make. Now, I was pushing for AJ versus Patricio for the 155 title because I thought that would be cool to see AJ go up to see if he could get that belt, but the belt is no longer Patricio's. Do you have interest in AJ versus Patricio 2 for the featherweight title, a rematch of the fight that happened in July? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This is a fight that um, you know we've been talking to both camps about and, um, you know, it's not put together by any means, but uh, I think it's headed in the right direction, Arrow. Okay, so it seems like as of right now, we're moving in the direction of Patricio Pitbull versus AJ McKee, too. That would be the next fight for both men. Uh, that's that's the direction it's heading. Now, it's not, you know, this is something that we have to talk to Antonio. Sure. And sit down with AJ and flesh it out. There's a lot of details that he worked out. But, um, you know, this is something that Pitbull would like to have happen. And, you know, he's been such a great champion, great ambassador, a great fighter for the company. And uh, I feel like we should uh, we should try to make this happen as, as, as best as we can. But sometimes, you know, in the fight business, as you know, it doesn't always work out, but we're going to try our best. And, I, and like I said, I think it's definitely heading in the right direction. What do you think about this, Patricia? Do you think the fight is going to happen? Do you have a message perhaps to AJ McKee as to, uh, you know, make this fight happen, get the ball rolling, put a little pressure on him? What do you think? What do you think, Patricio? What do you want to say to AJ? Uh, I think you are talking with Scott. Uh, I'm ready to go. I am in training. I feel good. I think that fight was uh, stopped early. Oh. I, I feel I, I'm there, but I understand everything that happened. I just want my, my chance to fight him again and prove I am the best featherweight in the world. Yeah. By the way, uh, Patricia, are you outside? What's going on over there? It sounds like a very windy day in Brazil. <laughs> What's happening? Sorry, it's uh, it's the ventilator. ventilator. Oh, the ventilator. Okay, because it was just very loud. I know you live in a beautiful place in Brazil. I thought uh, Mateus was out there surfing. What was that? <laughs> uh, so you think it was stopped early? Interesting. Can I ask you, Patricio? Did you fight too emotionally? Did it get too personal between you two? Did maybe that lead to the to the you know the 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 bad fight the early stoppage? Você acha que você lutou muito emocional? No. No, I am I am very calm. I was I was very calm. I was only think about the strategy and trying to do the correct movements during the fight. But he was good. He kicked me very well in that moment. But he was calling the judge to stop the fight. 
Oh. And I, I didn't agree with that. He was trying to to stop the fight. I don't know. I, I am feeling. I'm feeling this. Okay. Uh, this is good stuff. You, I have an idea. I'll throw it out there for you, Scott. We're in a giving mood. What do you think about this, Patricio? AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull, number two. Last time you defended the title on his home turf in California. This time the rematch, we do it in Brazil. <laughs> what do you think about that? Let's go, Bellator in Brazil. All Brazilian. You know what? Brazilians just think about that. Let's go, Scott. What do you say? What do you say? Well, here's the thing. You know, we we are. I believe this. If COVID didn't hit, we would already be in Brazil promoting fights today, and that was definitely part of the game plan. So uh, the conversations now have picked up uh, with, uh, let's say, Vicom Latin America, and uh, and 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 you know, with different, let's say, entities in Brazil. And we're setting up an infrastructure for sure to go there. Um, but is it going to happen in the next, you know, four four months? I'm not sure. But um, listen, if if we do go to Brazil, Ariel, the the only caveat is that you have to come with oh, us. Oh, stop it, Scott. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're looking at this to be in the next four or so months, if all goes well. By the way, what's the status of AJ McKee? Because he was talking about he wanted the love, he wanted the new deal. Are we going to keep him around? Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, AJ is uh, our champ, and uh, we expect to have a long-term uh, relationship with him. And... You know, the, you know, these things have a way of working themselves out. A lot of different people involved, uh, a lot of personalities involved, a lot of different agencies involved. And uh, we're just trying to figure out sometimes who, who do we talk to. So, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. Okay. It's, this, is, this, is nothing, this is not something new. I mean, sure. this is something that how many fighters have, have we had a situation where, you know, that, that you know, it's, it comes to this situation where, okay, you know, you want to make some changes? Okay, we're... we're we're open to talk about it, but it has to make business sense for everybody. And, uh, you know, it's got to it's got to work for all parties involved. If you need me to bridge the gap, make a few phone calls. I've been known to get deals done, Scott. Just want to let you know. You know what? I, I've heard. I have okay. heard. Uh, Power broker. Yes. Power broker. Patricia, I'm trying to make it happen for you here. You know, there was a time you thought I didn't like you. <laughs> I'm trying to make the fight happen in Brazil for you, my friend. I just want to let you know. Appreciate that. And... I feel I have uh, history in Bato, and I deserve that rematch immediately. Im- so right please, away, Scott, put this fight to, to happen. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm ready. Yeah, we're. Yeah, we're gonna work on it. We're working on it. Okay, uh, Patricio. Any Thank final you. word you want to say to AJ? He's listening right now. You want to say something to him? AJ, next time, please don't call the judge. Let me. Let me let me sleep alone. Don't, don't don't call the judge. I was there. I didn't tap and I didn't sleep. Let's fight again, and I I will prove you I am the best. I love it. Uh, obrigado, Patricio. Thank you so much, and kudos to you. And good luck to your brother on November fifth. Your brother, will you be there with him in Ireland? Yeah, I will be there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so thank you very much, Scott. Stick around, but thank you very much to Patricio for stopping by. He's the man, one of the best fighters still in the game. And uh, hey, shout out to the team for getting us this nice little two box here. Yoon and Alex and Joe and Connor, everyone making this happen. Of course, Mysterious Frank always wants to get credit, so I have to give him credit as well. He's a big part of the team. This is a very nice uh, little setup that we have here. Scott, you're still with us? 
I'm here. This is fun, Scott. All right, so that's big news. We had the champ, or the former champ, I should say. Well, it was weird, because like technically, as of right now, is the title vacated, or does it get vacated on the day the fight happens between Queeley and... Uh, and his brother. No, it's vacated as of as of right now. It's vacated. Okay. There's no uh, lightweight champion, and the the winner of that fight will be the new champ. All right. What else we got? We got. Um, you know, this is something that uh, you know a lot of fans or MMA fans might feel like this is something that happened in the last two three months because of the way the chips fell on some of these fights. But really, um, we've been talking about this for the last six eight months, and we decided that on January first, two thousand twenty two that all the main event fights will be five rounds moving Ooh. forward. So yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, uh, you know, like for the Fedor fight or any fight that happens between now and December 31st, but on January one, moving forward, all fights are going to be, uh, are going to be five rounders. All main event fights, all main event, non yeah, main fights, event fights will be five rounders. That's correct. And ultimately why That's are right. you doing this? You know, I'll tell you, um, you know, we, we, when we, when I talk about we, I talk about me and Mike and, and Rich and, you know, like and, Jen, and Jane and the team. And like, we're, we were discussing, you know, man, I sure, I sure would have liked to see another couple rounds of that fight. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is early, you know, earlier, you know, throughout the year. And then when, when the fight happened with, uh, with, uh, Yo Romero, I said, Oh man, I sure would have liked to see two more rounds of that fight. And then with MVP, same thing. I said, okay, guys, we, we're going to pull the trigger. So, you know, we're making an official announcement that starting January 1st is going to happen. But it's already been it's been in the works internally for a while. But uh, it's just time. And I think the people really want it. The fans want it. I think the fighters want it. And our company wants it. So that's where we're going. This is great. Long overdue. I felt the same way, especially on Friday. Man, I want to see two more rounds. It, it, it felt unfulfilling. I have to be honest, when this first started with the UFC, I think actually... By the way, how crazy is this? This just came to my mind, Scott. I think the first ever five-round non-title fight main event was actually Hendo Shogun at oh, wow. the SAP Center in yeah. 2011. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? I actually wow. think that was the first one ever. How crazy is this? It's all Jeez. coming together for us. That is crazy. Um, I didn't love it because I felt like it was special that the title fights were five rounds. But now, after a decade of watching it, and especially you have these these main events, it's like, ah it feels unfulfilled. It feels sort of undecided, right? So this is great. Now, let me ask you, why not start it immediately? Is it because these other fights were signed for three-round fights so you can't pull the trigger right now? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, we have contracts in place with Fader and Johnson. And, like, we have contracts for pretty much throughout the whole year. And then the fight uh, in uh, in November, both of them are title fights now, so that doesn't matter. And then the fight in December uh, will will probably be a title fight as well. So it's really not going to impact this year. So we just said, hey, January 1, we'll start a clean slate, and then this is what we'll do moving forward. Okay, this is wonderful. Uh, very big news. I'm assuming you're not going to get any pushback from any of the fighters, right? I'm assuming that the majority of them who are fighting in main event fights are going to yeah. be on board with this. Yeah, they're going to be on board. They, they actually want it. I think that they're, they're going to be happy to have it. You know, it's, I think this gives them more time to go do, a, you know, go do and perform their craft. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard the different arguments about the wear and tear on the athletes and, and this sort of thing. But to me, it's, it just makes a lot of sense. If you're a main event fighter, you know, fighting on a show like Bellator on a network like Showtime, you should be able to go five rounds. Yeah. And the only reason why we didn't do it earlier was just the timing and middle of the year. And we just said, look, let's just hold it. And, and now uh, that we're rolling into the fourth quarter, it's just time. And uh, I think everybody's ready and, and we're, we're going to embrace it. And it's, it's going to be the, the rule moving forward. 
I love it. And just for the sake of accuracy, I think the event before Lieben Munoz 138 was the first one. It doesn't matter, but you get the point. It was around mm. that time. Yep. Um, all right. So this is great. Uh, do we have anything else? I mean, I feel like uh, I'm being a little greedy here, but is there anything else? Well, well you know what? I'll tell you, um, I did read your uh, newsletter the other day. Oh, and, uh, I was looking at the news. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, yes. Yeah, here yes, we go. Yes. I believe I, actually. Like, in the, yeah. Uh, I believe in that newsletter. Thank you for that, uh, Scott. Thank you for the subscription. I believe I actually mentioned that I think all the fights should go five rounds. Did you see that? You did. Yes. You did. And the other thing you mentioned was yes. that, you know, uh, the, the co-promotions yes. with uh, I was gonna ask you different organizations. That. And yeah, so, you know, Saki Barra was here about three three weeks ago when we sat down. He was here for five days, actually. And uh, we had a good good chat, good talk. And, you know, there are, there's obviously some restrictions uh, with what's going on. But, um, you know, we talked about a lot of different scenarios. And, uh, you know, I think next year you'll probably see two or three different opportunities where oh. we're going to send fighters back and forth. Um, as you know, we have Horiguchi uh, now under contract. And uh, yeah, he, you know, he, he will definitely, I believe, uh, be one of the athletes that are involved in, in these back and forth challenges. But um, we're just waiting for this, you know, this thing called COVID to just, you know, you know, calm down a little bit again, because back in June, Errol, I thought it was wide open. I thought, yeah, we're, everybody's open for business. And we started making all these plans, all these international fights. I started talking to Saki Barra. Uh, we were planning to, to do something together, uh, you know, as early as maybe uh, the 31st on his event where we would send some fighters. But, now that the, the you know COVID is back and Japan's is kind of on lockdown, uh, you know Hawaii's on lockdown. There's still there's still a lot of places where you know we can't go or we can't do business. So um, as we're figuring that out, uh, but I promise you we will we will have some great co-promotions with uh, Ryzen at some point with uh, the fighters going uh, like I said back and forth, and you will see a Bellator in Japan uh, event in 2022 oh, at some point. I love it, and 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 for some context. It was just, you know, back in the day, it was easy to differentiate yourself from the other promotions with women's MMA. Now everyone has women on the roster. So I think the one thing that the UFC isn't doing that you have been open to doing in the past is co-promotion. And I feel like an event where it's like one versus Bellator and it's billed that way, not just a couple of guys sprinkled here and there, like an actual, you know, clash of worlds, so to speak, worlds colliding. I think the fans get behind that because then they get behind the brand. They get behind. They they keep tabs on who's winning, who's up by the end of the night. Oh, Bellator won four. These guys won three. It's mm -hmm. fun to get behind mm -hmm. the brand like that. So you know, it's all, it's all coming out of love. Yeah. You know that, right? I, no, no, I I agree. And listen, I'm I have never listen when we do strike force. We did fights with pride. Yep. You know, we sent Gilbert Melendez mm -hmm. over there. They sent Kawajiri here. They sent Ioki here. I mean, we we've done you know plenty of co promotions in the past, and sometimes it doesn't work with all the companies because they have. You know, so they have different network, maybe, or it might be a different distribution deal. Who owns intellectual property rights? You know, who's going to have? There's a lot of business components that you have to work out. And so, um, with Saki Bar, it's been such a relationship for 20 years that we've been doing this back and forth. It's been a, it's been an easy, easy, you know, you know, easy time to to figure out all the business details. But I tell you, what would be amazing is uh, at some point if there was a World Cup of MMA, hmm. right? And everybody threw in, threw in the best that they could throw including the UFC, and let's get it on. I mean, to me, that would be the, you know, as a martial yeah. artist, you know, I feel like that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be uh, something be that I, we would fully support. Yeah, but but everybody has to participate. You know, you can't have one company, you know, holding the ball and, and going in the corner. We need everybody to participate in in, the, in something like that. And, and I think that would just do amazing business. I think it'd be 
you know. But then again, who would own the world? Who would run the IP? Who would own this? Who would own that? Who you would guys could figure you know? it out. Like, I mean, we've got PBC and 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 Matchroom and uh, Top Rank and Queensberry. They're all working yeah, together. I, listen, listen, I I agree. We could work it out, but it has to be everybody come to the table. Sure. You know, that's that's really what it is. You know, so. But um, and you don't think yeah, realistically that's, that's that's something they're not going to do it, right? I don't think they will. The business model has always shown that they're they're really not uh, supportive of that type of co-promotion. But um, you know, maybe things could change in the future. You know, it's yeah. it's who knows. But um, I think I think that uh, that would be something that uh, that they would really really be a lot of fun to promote. And then you see who really the world's best is. Because yes. look, I could say, hey, our one thirty five pound weight class is stacked. You could beat anybody in the world. We have two hundred five. We got. Gegard, we have, you know, we have all these great fighters. It's like, we can say the same thing. We can make a lot of claims and they're making a lot of claims. Everybody's can make a lot of claims, but you know, until they fight each other, you don't really know. Right. So to me, if, if they want to get it on, then, you know, everybody participates we, we would definitely get behind something like that. And I'm old enough to remember when they sent Chuck Liddell to pride to fight over there. So there is a, there is a precedent. Yeah. Now the times were different, but they were open. I remember Dana White at, at the broadcast booth. Remember that? Those were some crazy times back then. Uh, it would be a great yeah. thing to see if you guys all work together. By the way, uh, just curious, it felt like a few years ago, I also mentioned this, like free agency was more of a thing. More guys were willing to test the market. And uh, Bellator profited from that. Others did as well. Why do you feel like less fighters are doing that? It feels like less fighters are willing to fight out the deals and see what's out there. Why do you think that is? You know, I'll tell you, it's um, it's something that's always come in cycles, Errol. It's, it hasn't been, you know, yeah. like the, the science where every so mon- many months, so, you know, it's really been like cycles. And and honestly, there have been some free agents and, you know, maybe we're not interested in, they're not mm-hmm. a good fit for us, or maybe they're a good fit for another organization. Um, but listen, there's, there's uh, when you talk about stars of the sport, right? They come up once in a, you know, you know, let's say once every, I would say once every year or once every two years. Um, and that's what you're talking about is, you know, having stars that, that, that jump across different companies. Um, but I don't think they've ever been, you know, uh, an abundance of those stars uh, shopping free agency. But I do believe that, you know, once every year, once every 18 months, certain stars will pop up and we're going to be in the bidding for them, uh, as well as a lot of other companies. Um, uh, but um, I, I do believe that it comes in cycles and it's to me, it's kind of feels normal. Like this is this is. This is not something that happens every month. Okay. Uh, can I hit you with a couple more and then we'll let you go? Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, curious, some scary news regarding Rumble Johnson. It seems like he's not feeling well. Is there anything you could tell us about his his health status? You know, I'll tell you, um, what, I, what I can tell you, what I know is that um, he's just not, you know, healthy. He's not healthy enough to fight, obviously, but he's trying to get healthy. Uh, just as a, as a human being, it's not, this has nothing to do with fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think he's had some real scares in some of his health and uh, they're trying to figure it out. I think that's one of the things that's very concerning is that the doctors uh, just don't know. And I know we've been in touch with them. Our, our team's been in touch with them. And uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just something that, you know, when you don't know the diagnosis and you're not feeling well and, 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 and you're, and you're, you know, your body isn't acting right or not functioning right you know, you're, it's going to be a scary situation. So to me, this has nothing to do with fighting. This really has to do with just him healing up and, you know, having a normal life at some right. point. And if he's well enough to fight again, then yeah, that's great. But I mean, I look at this as more of, this is a, 
this is a step, you know, like you, you got to take that first step of just being sure. healthy first. And so that's, that's, that's where it's at. And that's how I look at it from our company perspective. Okay. And we certainly wish him the best. Uh, you mentioned the 135 pound division. There were some rumors of a tournament, um, Sergio Pettis, mm-hmm. new champ. What are we thinking about 135? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the divisions that we're stacked in. And, um, you know, I, we, we haven't decided really what the tournament will be moving forward in, uh, 2022, but that's definitely one of the candidates for the weight class. Cause there's so many great fighters. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I, I I think we might even go back to a 16 man tournament oh. if we do 35s because there's so much talent on, on in that division that uh, we'd have to probably expand it because I don't think we could pick eight people and 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 you know and feel good about it or have number nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's there there's so much talent there that we might have to do a 16 man tournament if we choose that weight class. But you know it's it hasn't been decided and. Uh, you know, you'll be the first to know, Errol. Oh, wow. You'll be the first we to could know. do this every month. You come on, few scoops. <laughs> good for me, good for you. I, I don't mind. If you want to set this right now as a thing, every, you know, first Wednesday of the month, I think it would be a nice little tradition. Yeah, let's do it. Listen, yeah, I'm so proud of all your hard work and all your effort, your, your contribution to mixed martial arts. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, you know, I, I know you, I, I remember from back, you know, way back when we used to talk in New York City and. And uh, we are announcing, I remember you were the first one I told the, we had the Strikeforce Heavyweight Tournament too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you've done, you've done great things, man. I just, I'm happy for you. Just keep going. And you're making a difference. And I just wanted to tell you, you know, from, you know, from myself and, and all, all of our staff, you know, we love working with you and just keep doing what you're doing, man. And, and don't let the haters hate and, and right. keep it down. Just keep it going. That's right. Keep it real. Scott, next event, you got to show up wearing a heel Wani shirt. It's a lifestyle, Scott. It's a mindset. It's not a gimmick, okay? 10-7 heel Wani. You can wear that as well. Last question for you, and I appreciate those words very much. It's the most important one. Everyone's hitting me up about this. They need an update on this particular fighter, perhaps the most popular fighter on your roster right now. He's coming off a huge win. Everyone buzzing about him. Of course, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the legend, the future legend, the inimitable Big Tuna, Ben Parrish. Everyone talking about Big Tuna. <laughs> what do we got with Big Tuna? Are we going to see him again oh, soon? Oh, man. I, I tell you, you should have you should have been here in this building and erupted. It was louder. It was louder than Hendo versus Shogun, right? In here, I'm telling you, it was. And the and the thing is, like, you know, here here comes this guy. You know, he's he's built the way he's built, and and people aren't expecting that he's got this big punch. But man, he 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 proved himself that night, and that, the fans here in San Jose love him. They're ready. All my friends, all the people that came to the fight here, they're like, "Hey, when's he coming back?" So. Um, you know, he he told us at the fight. Well, I can't come back this year because I don't have any more time off. What? From work. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> that is incredible. Come on. Yeah, I know. I was, I, that's what he said. But listen, we're we're definitely in talks with him. But we're going to try to get him back as soon as possible because you know he was a lot of fun. He's a lot of talent. He, he's got a big punch, and uh, you know he's got a little personality on him, man. I, I, I dig it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push to get him back here in the next couple of months. Are you gonna get the Paul brothers involved? Logan, maybe wrestler. Yeah, listen, um, that conversation um, started two, three years ago yeah. in Miami uh, at the Super Bowl, and and we met with uh, Logan and uh, his management, and and we said, you know, they wanted to go into boxing, and I said, look, if you ever want to do MMA, please give us a call. And we had a nice conversation. I thought he was a great kid, and uh, obviously they're hard workers, as you can know, they're grinding out there at their camps, they're doing what they do. Both the brothers. They're talented. They're getting better. Ariel, I'm telling you, 
I said from the beginning, these guys are getting better and better and better. Don't underestimate these kids fighting ability because they're putting in the work. Right. And so, um, but you know, my, 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 uh, my view of the whole thing is like, if they would want to come to MMA, we'd love to have them in Bellator and we'd love to have them. Cause I always felt like, look, you're putting, let's say, you know, Ben and, you know, I know he's mad at me cause my prediction, whatever, but <laughs> you know, it's like they, they you guys kind of know, to me, it's like, I feel like, okay, I, I get it. I see the writing on the wall here. You know, T-Wood was a real fight and I think it was a close fight. I think that, um, um, it just showed that Jake's getting better and better to fight a guy like T Wood, even if it's in boxing. But how much sparring and training and fighting has T Wood done over the last ten years? Uh, you know, and a lot of people thought T Wood was just going to take it to him, but it didn't work out. So as these kids are getting better, um, you know, my hope is that they can come to MMA and really uh, try their uh, craft and their and their skill set in mixed martial arts because they do have a wrestling background. And these guys are athletic, they're young, and they put in the work. And I think that uh, there'd be a lot of fun to watch them develop because, you know, and not just because of their social following, because, you know, that, that, that's going to come with the, with, the, with the business piece and all that. But I'm talking about, see, how, how they would develop over a year or two oh, fighting yeah. in MMA. It'd be it'd a lot be of fun to watch. It but, would be great. you know, we'll see. I'm sure they have a lot of opportunities. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, Scott, I notice you swiping up a lot. It's probably all those media members trying to get more scoops, trying to leech onto our news here. Uh, They're saying, why do you give everything to Ariel? They always say, why do you give everything to Ariel? You're a smart guy. You know, you come to the best. (laughs) You get the word out. Everyone's buzzing. Three pieces of news. Uh, Chris Cyborg's next fight against Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead Kavanaugh. Sinead O'Connor. Of course. The singer? Yes. Uh, That would be crazy. (laughs) Sinead Kavanaugh on November 12th. Uh, Patricky Pitbull versus... Uh, one Peter Queeley is now for the vacant title after Patricio Pitbull vacated the title. So that's two pieces of news right there. So now we're at three. And then, of course, the biggest one of the bunch, in my opinion, all Bellator non-title main events as of January 1st will be five mm-hmm. rounds. And the people have been asking for this. You have delivered. Scott, thank you so much. Appreciate you doing this. I'll talk to you in a month for the next set of breaking news that you'll have for us, okay? I'll be, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. I'll have it in my back pocket, in my bag, and be ready to bring them all out for you, Ariel. All right. All the best, Scott, and good luck next week. Another event, and then you're, of course, going to uh, Russia for the Fyodor event. Looking forward to that. Take care. Thanks, buddy. All right. There he is, Bellator President Scott Coker. Great stuff there, right? I mean, I told you. Did I oversell it? Did I oversell it or not? Did I say he was going to come bearing gifts? Remember, like, it's not... We're not trying to puff our chest here. We're not trying to say, like, we're just trying to remind people that the boys are back in town. And each and every show, we're getting a little bit stronger, a little bit healthier, a little bit... I don't know what you want to call that. You know, the chutzpah is there. So you want to come break news? You want to let people know what's on your mind? Come to the show of record. Come to the MMA hour. We don't need 17 guests here. We just need a few. And of course, I can sit back here and weigh in on all these things and let you know what I think about all these things. I could sit back on my throne and opine correctly on all these things, unlike others who opine incorrectly. But I'd rather talk to the newsmakers. I'd rather have the newsmakers come on here and let you know what's what. And then afterwards, we can opine. And so thank you very much to one Scott Coker for 
all those nuggets. The news, by the way, that the MMA fighting team is most excited about is uh, the Big Tuna update. I mean, for some reason, they just love that guy. Uh, he has become somewhat of a, uh, a cult favorite on the squad. Uh, and so there you go. There's your update. And uh, I am looking forward to his return very much. I am also looking forward to talking to our next guest. You know, my uh, sister uh, just gave birth. I told you this uh, on Monday. My dear sister, Amanda, congratulations to her again. She gave birth. And, you know, she supports my career. She, uh, she's a great sister. We have a great relationship. Um, but, of course, she's not a big fight fan she doesn't watch everything you know but she's very supportive as i try to be to her as well a couple months ago um i shared the news that i was going to be working on the uh the jake paul tyron woodley broadcast on showtime and i think i shared a poster or something that was on there and one of the faces on the poster was of tommy fury tnt fury Right away, I got a phone call from my sister, Amanda. She said, you have a picture of Tommy Fury on your feed. Do you realize that I love Tommy Fury? Do you realize that I watched every episode of Love Island twice on Netflix? And I love Tommy Fury and Molly Bay. I've never got a phone call like this. She was so excited. Most she's ever been about my entire career. It was great. And I said, no, I didn't realize that. But I'm happy you're excited. And I'll send, uh, I'll send your best to Tommy. I don't know if I did so when I saw him in Cleveland. Of course, he was there to, uh, to fight Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor. He won that fight. And now we're all wondering what is next for Tommy Fury. We spoke to his brother on Monday, Tyson Fury. And so it seems like an apropos time to say hello for the first time on this program to Tommy TNT Fury. There he is in the flesh. Hello, Tommy. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. My sister's very excited about this. She's currently nursing her newborn, but uh, this is the highlight of her day that I'm talking to you on the program. Congratulations to her. Um, may God bless them both and the newborn baby, and best luck to all of you. Thank you so much, Tommy. That's very kind of you. So you're in Las Vegas right now, right, to support your brother? Yes, I've been here since Thursday, um, so I've been here for a bit of time now, just did nicely, and um, you know, it's close. It's time to get that job done. Um, so, of course, uh, I'd like to ask you about that fight, but we're here to talk about you specifically in your career. You had the fight in Cleveland, the victory over Anthony Taylor. Uh, I remember asking you in the ring how you felt about the performance. Here we are eh, a month or and a half or so later. How do you feel about that fight and the performance? You know, there was a lot of talk that he was so much smaller than you that you should have steamrolled through him. Overall, were you happy? Were you proud of what you did out there in Cleveland in August? I mean, the end goal for any fighter is to come out of a, you know, a fight with a win. And mm -hmm. I did that. Um, you know, I went across first time in America without my trainer um, and I got the win. You know, when it was a shutout, won by unanimous decision. Um, but sometimes you face styles in life that prevent quite tricky. Um, and Anthony Taylor was very small. I'd never faced a guy that small before. You know, he didn't really come to fight. He didn't really want to engage. So it was kind of hard to get him out of there. But you know, with all that being said, a fight's a fight and a win's a win. And I come away with that. So, you know, it was my U.S. debut and I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Did you feel perhaps in hindsight like you fought emotionally because he tried to make it personal with you, right? Did it ever get to you? I know you said all the right things leading up to it, but did it get to you at any point? No, honestly, at no point. Because in this whole fight game, people think because I'm young and I've not had that many fights and this and that. 
that I, they can try and get him in and all that sort of stuff. But they're forgetting that I've been around this game my whole entire life and I've seen Tyson go through all these mind games with the best in the business, Vladimir Klitschko's of the game. You know, I've, I've seen all that happen before, so there's not a chance any fighter can ever get inside my head. You know, when I got in that ring with him, it was never emotional. I just wanted to try and, you know, get the highlight knockout a bit too much, I think, maybe. Um, but again, it's all experience and all learning. I'll go back to the drawing board and next time I'll just take my time and take it slow and get the job done right. Um, there was some news prior to the fight. I didn't have a chance to ask you, but I'm just curious, what was your take on them shortening the fight? It went, uh, you know, it went down to six rounds, I believe, um, prior to the weigh-ins. And what I was told from your promoter, Frank Warren, was that this was a decision by the British um, commission who said that you don't have the experience and that's obviously understandable. But to me, it was strange that the British commission would weigh in on something that's happening in Ohio. What, what was your take on that? Honestly, I have no take on that because my job is just to train and fight and win. You know, whatever, whatever happens behind the scenes with the British Board of Boxing Control and any other board, you know, it's out of my hands. It's, it's not my call. You know, I don't get involved in all that stuff. I leave that stuff up to my promoters, my managers, and obviously my trainer. Uh, so I kind of shut my way from the whole decision. When I heard it was four rounds, I thought, oh, you know, okay, I would have loved to have done six because if it had been a six round, it would have been knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I can safely say that from this point on, I hopefully I'm not doing any more four-rounders. Um, you know, I hope we can stay at the six and the eights and whatever like that. Um, because I feel like a four-round fight is very short and you can't really, you know, take your time and get your proper shots off. And uh, thank you for the correction. It, it, I guess the word was originally eight, then it went to six, and then eventually it went to four. So that's what it was. And I think more people wanted to see you go longer. And that's where, you know, all the hysteria came from. Right after the fight was over, the card was over, Jake Paul beats Tyron Woodley. Uh, there's that moment that was caught by my friends at BT Sport of you guys in the hallway. What happened there? I was just simply doing an interview with BT Sport and um, he comes walking up the corridor with about 400 men behind him. <laughs> and I don't really pay any attention. As you see now on the video, you know, I stood there, I looked at him and he came right up in my face. I didn't flinch. And I just said to him, you need to stop running and take the fight. You know, and hopefully this fight is, you know, close to getting made now. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see on that. Um, you know, I'm ready. Like I've said all along, this fight, you know, anybody who knows me and see me training the gym and see my performances on other fights knows that I'm way too much for Jake Paul. You know, this is a mismatch. So, you know, whether he really wants that fight, I don't know. I know he's offered some money about it. I know he's done this and done that. But the offers that he was putting in was terrible. You know, thankfully, I've got a great team behind me and some great lawyers. Um, and that's it. You know, I, I want to get this fight on because it's been brewing for a long time. And I'm not one for talking. I'm in the ring and I'm doing it. But I know I can splatter Jake Paul over that, all over that ring because what is he? He's a YouTuber, and he's gone into boxing. He's a man with a pair of boxing gloves. He ain't got no talent. What has he got? We've seen that in the, in the, in the Tyrone Woodley fight. He was doing eight rounds. Woodley never threw a punch, and he got gassed out, and he was looking at the clock every round. So what's he going to do with me who's going to be pressing him what, every second of every single minute in that fight? He's going to crumble, and that'll be the end of him. Okay, I love this. Now, I was just about to ask you about the fight itself. What did you think of his performance? It sounds like you weren't all that impressed. I thought it was absolutely shocking. <laughs> Listen, my my performance wasn't the best, was it? But his performance was absolutely shocking. Absolutely diabolical. He got, he got hit with one shot. He got hit with one shot, nearly fell through the ropes. His footwork is awful. He doesn't move his head at all. He's, he's just, he's what he is, isn't he? You know, it looked a bit fishy from my eyes, to be fair, because once Woodley hit me that right hand, he stood off him. The fellow was through the ropes. Now, if that had been on the other foot, I'd have been all over him, smashing him with 10, 12 punches all about the head. 
But I don't know. Listen, it's what it is, isn't it? He's a novice as, as much as myself, but he's more of a novice than me, put it that way. Uh, that uh, sequence where it seemed like Woodley rocked him, uh, he was, I guess, accused isn't the right word, but it looked like he was holding on to the ropes. Do you feel like that should have been a proper knockdown? I don't know. I mean, and a knockdown's a knockdown. They've got to touch the floor, haven't yeah. they, in my opinion. But, you know, it, Woodley should have pressed more. If Woodley mm. would have pressed that fight, like kept on pushing, he would have got Paul out of there. If he would have worked the body and stuff like that, he would have got Paul out of there because Paul has never done eight rounds. He's never been in a fight before. So he wouldn't know what it's like. And Woodley would have got on top of him because he's got that experience in the fight game, but he never did it. So it's his own mistake, isn't it? Uh, when you were watching that, I'm assuming in the back, was it a weird thing? Like, were you actually rooting for Paul? Because you want to be the first guy to beat him, right? I mean, as much as you may not like him, uh, the fight to make afterwards so was you and, and him. So I'm assuming you were kind of rooting for him to, to keep fighting and to win the fight, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I want him to win the fight, of course. Um, you know, even though we are what we are towards each other, I still want him to win the fight because I want the fight for me and mm-hmm. him to pull off because, you know, all these other people, all these MMA guys he keeps fighting, Let's not lie, he's probably going to keep beating them because they're MMA fellas, and that's the reason he's gone down that route. But if he steps up and fights a real boxer, you know, which he should do, which hopefully will come off, it's over for him. You know, it's, com- it's completely over. There's no chance in hell that man comes out with a victory against me. There's no chance. Any worry that now that uh, Tyron Woodley got the tattoo that, you know, maybe he'll go back and fight him? Definitely not. I mean, if he's if he's a smart man, which he claims he is, he wouldn't go back and take the rematch because I watched it in the back and I was falling to sleep. It, it was probably one of the worst fights I've ever watched. Neither men really threw a punch. There was there was no exciting drama moments. There was nothing. I was sat there with uh, my promoter, Frank Warren, in the back. I was watching it. And I said to Frank, my God, I don't know how you're looking at this after doing boxing for 50 years, back when men were real men. And we both started laughing because it is what it is, isn't it? This is amazing stuff. Now, uh, you guys have gone back and forth as of late. In fact, uh, Jake Paul recently put out a video, a message to you. For those that may have missed it, I just want to play a clip of it and get your response to it, okay? All yep. right, here we go. Here's Jake Paul talking about right, Tommy so this Fury. This is the last time I'm speaking about this guy if we don't end up fighting because I'm starting to get pissed off. Tommy Fury is about to fumble the biggest bag of his life. Tommy, I made you famous. I gave you the biggest payday of your life. You came to the U.S., got your U.S. debut for your dream to come true. I gave you a chance to shine in front of the whole entire world, and now I'm offering to quadruple the biggest payday of your life that I gave you to fight me. For everyone at home, this is what happens when you give someone clout, when you give them an ego. They start to think they're better than they actually are. I have dozens of other fighters calling me out every single week, Tommy. You're replaceable. I saw you laughing while that clip was playing. Yeah. That's uh, that's Jake Paul, of course, on his uh, Instagram. I think he uh, he posted that. What do you make of that message from Jake Paul? <sighs> it, it sums him up to be fair, doesn't it? It's complete bullshit. I mean, the man talking about he made me famous, this and that. That's obviously everyone knows that's you know it's <laughs> it's kidology. That's all it is. I can't even I can't even talk about that because it's just that much silliness. Um, and the reason why everything's bullshit and what he's saying is because I'm not replaceable. And the fact that I'm not replaceable is that everyone's sick of seeing him fight these same fighters. UFC this, UFC that. Good record, old men. He can't. There's no one else out there, yeah, with a brother like mine, the best fighter in the whole entire world, yeah, WBC lineal world heavyweight champion, and me below in the same category as Jake Paul, with the clout I've got. With it was a it, name me one of the boxers who's had seven professional fights and got the recognition that I have. Mm. Fair point. It might be from another thing, but still, the recognition is there. 
you know, there's nobody else. And that's the reason why this fight's still getting talked about and negotiated because he knows how big this fight is. And if he went off and fought another UFC, man, people would stop losing interest. And he, and he knows that. But all what he's saying there is stupid. It's absolutely stupid. I don't buy into anything that Jake Paul says because I know when we get in that ring, I'll, I'm going to let my fist do the talking. I know it's cliche for a boxer to say, but there'll be no game plan for that fight. I'll go straight over to him and I will annihilate Jake Paul. He's tailor-made for me. He don't move his head. He's useless anyway. He could, he, I'd, let him, I'd let Jake Paul hit me for fun. He's no good. So I'm sick of people comparing the fight between me and him. There is no fight. I go in there and it's a shutout victory for me. And that's it. Okay, so as of right this moment, October 6th, midday, where does the fight stand? Where do things stand between you guys? Because this was about a week ago, and he even posted something about, like, oh, he's going to take some time. He's retired now because no one wants to fight him. Where, do the, where does the actual fight stand from your perspective as of, t- as of today, October 6th? You know, I've been, uh, I've been over here since Thursday, about a week, a week now, and, um, you know, I've not, I've not had a chance to speak to my lawyers, but last time I did speak to them, it was looking good, you know, and that's all I've really got to say about it, you know, that I leave everything like that up to my lawyers and my team. Uh, and I only get the call when everything's done and everything's, you know, whatever it is. But as far as I know, it's still getting negotiated, so it's um, it's not completely dead. So um, we'll see where we go from this. Are you confident it gets made? Fairly. I'm fairly confident, yeah, if the man wants to fight. Because with Jake Paul, he's the type of person that would agree to fight. He'll agree to all this and pull out next minute because he's got other avenues. You know, he's not a boxer. He, I don't really believe he's got a passion for this. I think he's doing it for a gimmick, a bit more money than he's already got. Um, you know, so you can't really say you're fighting Jake Paul until you're in the ring with him. But listen, the thing about me is I've got my own career. I've got my ambitions of being a world champion. I'm not in this to make a few quid and, you know, have a few fights with the YouTubers. I'm not about that. As you've seen from the start of my career, I fight professional boxers, be it what they are, the professional boxers. And I'm learning my trade properly. I'm going to go a long way in this game and Jake Paul's going to be out of here in a year, if that, two years. So it's completely different scales. Whether this fight happens or not, I ain't done people saying, Jake Paul, I've said, I've fumbled the biggest bag of my life. I've got a career in this. So he needs to select his words very carefully, doesn't he? Because the man's speaking like an idiot. Um, how far apart? Can you tell us how far apart you guys are right now? Honestly, I wouldn't know. If I knew, I'd tell you. But I've been over here. I've been concentrating on Tyson. The, the whole thing's been about Tyson over here. I don't really want to deal with all that since being over here. So I'll just put strict instruction and said, listen, you deal with it. That's what you get paid for. And let me know when you, when you hear something worth telling me. Would it be, so he has come out and said million dollars. Would it be fair that that would be the big, like, would that be the biggest payday of your career? It would be the biggest, but it's definitely not quadruple. Definitely not. Okay. See, I think Jay Paul seems to think that I've had seven fights and I'm fighting for small money. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the case. I've got 4 million followers. My, my purses for my fights are very good. No matter what the internet says, it's all bullshit. Uh-huh. It's all bullshit. Honestly, I've seen some there, yeah, saying that I got 10 grand for the last fight. I can sit in bed and do that with a camera and post it on Instagram. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to get my head punched in for that, am I? So at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's all bullshit. You know, it's all hearsay. The public are the public. You know, they don't really know what's going on. They can only go off what people saying. And Jake, Jake Paul at the minute is the one spouting all the bullshit. I'm keeping quiet. Until the job's done. Until this fight is signed, sealed, and delivered, you're going to see Tommy Fury then. Okay. And and just curious, uh, there was something that came out, and you may say it's BS as well, uh, where it was like, oh, these are the purses for the Cleveland fight. And it said that he donated a certain amount, but you declined. I think it was you and Daniel Dubois who declined it per this sheet of paper. Is that true? Was that a real thing? 
No, nothing. Um, I didn't hear anything about that whatsoever. All I did for the, for that last fight of mine, I got on the plane and come here and fought. There was no, I didn't hear anything about, you know, I heard about my purse before the fight and that was it. All these donations and this and that, it's all hearsay. It's all pie in the sky. I didn't hear nothing about that. Okay. Uh, do you have a preference? Like, where do you think would be the ideal place to put on this fight if it gets done? Uh, should it happen in the UK? Should it happen back in Cleveland? Should it happen uh, venue in Vegas, maybe? Fight Capital of the World, MSG? What do you think? What's the best place for it? I mean, it's a big fight. It is a very big fight. I know in the UK, I can't go down the street <laughs> without everybody asking me, when you're knocking out Jake Paul, when is this fight going to happen? And I wish I could tell them, but it's a massive fight in the UK. I do believe it would sell out an arena comfortably. Um, so, it's a, of course, it's a big fight there. Over here in Vegas, you know, comfortably, you know, do the MGM, I'm sure. Because, as you see, Jake Paul brings a pretty big crowd with him. He, there was a pretty big crowd there in Cleveland. So, you know, any of these places are, are options. Um, I'd love to fight in Vegas where Tyson's about to fight. I'd love to fight back in Manchester. But the bottom line is, I don't care where this fight is. It's the same outcome. Do you have a deadline? Because I'm assuming, like, you want to be active. You want to move on with your life. You want to fight. If this fight doesn't come to fruition by X date, are you moving on to something else? Oh, 100%. Listen, I'm not about to put my career on standstill for someone like Jake Paul, a YouTuber. I'm a professional athlete, professional boxer who's been doing this a long time. Jake Paul or no Jake Paul, you'll see me back in the ring in December. Oh, really? Okay, wow. So that is it. You are fighting in December, no ifs, ands, or buts. If it's going to be Jake Paul, it'll be in December. If it's not going to be Jake Paul, you'll be there in December. Correct. Wow, okay. And, and why December? Any particular reason you want to just get one in before the end of the year? Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm a young, hungry fighter, and the only way to learn in this game is ring time. Um, and I want as many fights as possible. So if I, can, if I can squeeze another one in, I will do. And I'm looking at December because I'm back in the gym already. You know, my weight's down. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, re I'm, I'm fight ready all, all year round. So, uh, we'll, you know, we're working on it, and we'll see. I should hopefully have some news. After this fight's all said and done, I should hopefully have some good news by the end of next week. Okay. Uh, just a few other things I want to ask you about. Uh, I did see an article anytime... Uh, you, uh, like you breathe or your Mrs. Molly May uh, breathes. There's an article about it in the uh, the rags, I think they call it in England. She said she gets way too anxious when you fight. And it sounds like she doesn't enjoy it. You know, and I can understand it's a loved one fighting. I, I, is there a chance that maybe you don't go very far because, you know, you don't want to put your, your, your loved ones in agony when you're fighting. Has she told you, hey, you know, maybe we could cool it on the fighting stuff. We could do other things. We had a lot of success on TV. We don't have to get punched in the face. What do you, <laughs> has this conversation <laughs> happened? Definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. You know, Molly's been with me long enough now. We've been together for over two and a half years. She knows this is my life. You know, I've been boxing since I've been eight years old. You know, I do nothing but box. And she knows how passionate about it. She knows how much it means to me. And the one thing that she does do, she gets anxious, yeah, but she's supporting me 100% of the way. And that's all I ask. And she doesn't mind when I'm going away for these training camps or I'm going out to watch Tyson fight or I'm going anywhere to do boxing because that's my job. Like her job is a social media influencer. She's got to go here, there for shoots. That's her job. So she knows when anything's to do with boxing, it's my job. And, you know, there's nothing more passionate that I'm about than boxing. So, you know, wherever the fight may be, she'll deal with it and she'll be there supporting me 100% of the way. Uh, we spoke to your brother Tyson on Monday. It was phenomenal stuff that he told us. He got very deep and introspective. He's one of the most interesting people in the fight game. And I'm wondering from your perspective, if you can compare, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that you've seen him go through the ups and the downs. He seems to be in a great spot right now, mentally. He seems to be very content. 
He's happy about the right things. He knows what success means. It means family life, home, kids, wife, not the money, not the fame. What's your read on Tyson right now, his, his sort of mental state going into this fight? From afar, it seems like he's in a really happy place, but you know, you never know. Could you tell us where he's at right now as he heads into this trilogy fight against Deontay Wilder? Yeah, he's in the best place I've ever seen him mentally because, like you said, he's been through the hard times, he's been through the good times, and now he's 100% in the correct place mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. You know, he's trained super hard for this. He's had all the right sparring. He's, uh, he's, been tra- he's never stopped training. Me and Tyson was in Miami, uh, mm. I think in June. He was training flat out twice a day, every single day there. You know, Tyson doesn't stop training because it's just, it's not about boxing. It's about for his mentalness. Mm. If he stops training, he gets bored and gets lonely, gets down. So he has to train every day. So Tyson's always in shape. But as far as this fight goes, you're going to see the best Tyson Fury ever in this fight, you know, because he had six weeks to work with Sugar Hill for the last fight, six weeks. And that was about 20 months ago. So he's had more time now to work with Sugar Hill to perfect that style. And we watched a comparison video the other day of Tyson in the second video and Tyson now. And I wouldn't like to be on, I wouldn't like to be Deontay Wilder in that ring on Saturday night. I'll tell you that. Oh my. Um, What do you think? What's your prediction? You know, ever since the fight got announced, um, round five has been through in my mind. Wow. Um, that's that's what I'm going with. Um, I just think there's nothing that Deontay Wilder can do. You've seen all this new footage of him coming out in the pads, doing other things. It's all right, but if you've, not, if you've never done that in a fight before and you go into a new fight and you've got a man punching you hard in the face, you're going to revert back to what you've always done. And I do believe Deontay Wilder will revert back to what he did in the second fight and it'll be over very quick. By the way, uh, ever have a, a um, an instance where it's perhaps Tyson calling you on the phone or even maybe uh, your father, John, calling you on the phone and you can't tell the difference? I've never heard two people who sound more alike <laughs> than John and Tyson. You ever get mixed up between the two? I mean, I've been around it long enough now to okay. realize the difference, but I can imagine for everybody else it is, uh, it's very similar. I, I, I've honestly never heard two people sound alike in my life like that. Uh, I asked Tyson about this on Monday, and he actually brought you up. I just want to play you this last clip, and then we'll let you go. Here's Tyson talking about perhaps getting you to sound like him and John in the future. Take a listen. One of my good friends, Ty Mitchell, we were sparring, and he hit me in the throat real hard. And uh, I developed a blood clot in my throat. And this is, it messed around with my vocal cords. So this is why I talk like this now. Wow. So it sounds just like me, Dad. I've, I've heard it, and I've, I've, I can even hear it myself. So, yeah, we've both got a husky voice. Yes, it's amazing. Some would say it's quite sexy, I've been told. I Listen, I like <laughs> it. It's it's iconic. It's very memorable. I don't mind it at all. Your <clears throat> your brother, Tommy, sounds nothing like you guys. Maybe eventually that will yeah, happen to him as well. He also looks nothing like you. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe I'll have to punch him in the throat <laughs> sooner or later. Welcome him into the, into the clan. Any threats of being punched in the throat to, to make you sound officially like a fury or no? Um, I think it's coming. I'm not going to lie. I think it's coming one day. Um, you know, we do we do plenty of work in the gym. So I can imagine one day you'll hit me in the throat and I will be speaking like, hey, you over there. Yes. Hey, I will join the class. You know, that'll be me because, you know, we're in the gym. We're all messing around. And yeah, probably end up like my dad and brother. Yeah, as the time goes on. Have you ever sparred him? <laughs> yeah, many times. Okay. For this camp? It's, uh, I've sparred Tyson ever since, you know, first when I started boxing, you know, and bits throughout every camp, really. It's, um, it's absolutely pointless for me because I'm hitting nothing but the wind. <laughs> um, you try and hit him around the body, you hit his elbows and you end up breaking your hand on him. He's 
Tyson's a one of a kind athlete, but of course, to share the ring with him is um, it's, it's amazing for me. Um, and obviously, you can't get any better work than that. So uh, you know, I'm happy and I'm so, I'm blessed that it's there on the other end of the phone. You know, whatever I need in this game, I've got the perfect man and the best in the world to advise me. You know, go down the street, do this, do that, right. You know, I'm so lucky to be in the position that I am. I'm going to take full advantage of it. I actually asked him if he was going to offer you any advice on how to get this deal done with Jake. And he said, that's your business. That's your money. He's not going to help out. He wants you to figure it out. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Because if you get told everything in this life, you know, you're not really going to go anywhere. You need to have your own brain and think for yourself. And that's what I've done. You know, I know my worth. I know what this fight is. And I know, you know, how to get this fight done. Um, and I've stuck to my guns all the way and it looks good at the minute. So, uh, you know, I'm not about to change anything now. So I'm going to sit tight and enjoy the fight at the weekend. Last thing, just for, uh, you know, just for the sake of accuracy, do you want to tell us how much you want for the fight? I mean, I can call them, I could call Nikisa now. We could try to make the fight a done deal. Do you want to tell us? <laughs> or No, listen, everything like that uh, just depends on my lawyers. Okay. Everything goes through my lawyers um, and stuff like that. That's all it needs to be mentioned. Uh, as far as anything else, You'll hear from me and, you know, you'll hear from me about Jake Paul when this fight's done. And until it's done, I ain't got enough. I ain't going to burn his name out of my mouth like he's doing to me. You know, okay. every every other day I'm on his story. Can't get enough of me at the minute. He must fancy me or something. I know he said he wants to grip your cheeks. So we'll see. <laughs> do, do you want to send him a message right now? Do you want to say anything to Jake? Yes, Mr. Jake Paul. When me and you get in the ring, kiss goodbye and don't ever put on a pair of boxing gloves ever again. It's over for you. I'm going to send you straight back to where you belong jumping off bridges on YouTube and messing about with a camera because you don't belong in my world, mate, and you're going to find that out very soon. Oh so my. keep talking. I love it. And by the way, no truth to the rumor I heard. People were saying one of the sticking points was both you and Jake said I had to be the post-fight interviewer for the fight. I just want to say, like, I hadn't heard that yet. I mean, I appreciate you guys sticking your neck out for me, but don't let me be the stumbling block for making this fight happen, okay? Listen, it's all down to you. You are you are probably the best interviewer I've been on with. So, oh, thank you. Credit to you, and uh, let's hope you get the job, eh? All right, thank you, Tommy. Uh, I wish you and the family the best on Saturday. This was great stuff, and good luck in trying to get that fight done. And I look forward to seeing you in action, hopefully against Jake in December, but if not, against someone else. Thank you so much, Tommy. Good luck. Thanks very much. God bless. All right, there he is, the one and only Tommy Fury. TNT, TNT, uh, Dino Mad, TNT. <clears throat> I had something stuck in my throat. What a mensch that guy is, huh? I mean, that's a big time fight. He's selling it. He's selling it big time. Tommy Fury, Jake Paul. Jake, if you're watching. Nikisa, if you're watching. I know you're doing interviews now. You want to come on? You want to respond to the uh, the comments of one Tommy Fury? We're on for the next hour and a half or so. Please jump on in. <clears throat> I mean, we had Patricio Pitbull just jump on in. That's the beauty of this show. You may not get 17 guests, but you'll get a few surprises along the way. That's the beauty of this program. All right. Great stuff there. Uh, in a bit, we're going to be joined by TJ Dillashaw. We're also going to be joined by Zhang Wei Li. And, of course, we'll wrap this bad boy up answering your questions. Everyone's favorite segment of the week, On the Nose. And I haven't looked. Look, I never look. I haven't looked. Uh, but I'm hoping that you guys come through. At the moment... 
69 questions up there. No cap, right there. All facts. At the moment, 69 over on the uh, the old Substack. So if you got something to say, short, tight, concise, let us know, and I'll answer it at the very end of the program. And again, a reminder, no show on Monday. I hope you don't miss us too much. And uh, you'll have to figure out if GC won or not because we won't have an opportunity to recap on Monday. We'll be back next Wednesday for our next program. And so with that in mind, without further ado, let us go back to the... Uh, the machine over here. Let's go to the control room and say hello to GC. There he is, feeling himself. He's got his uh, Atlanta Hawks. I I am starting to figure out the gimmick here. Falcons. It's Falcons. yeah, it's Falcons. Excuse me. What did I just say? Hawks. Hawks I'm starting yeah. to uh, figure out the gimmick here. It's all Georgia-based gear. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's my wardrobe, dude. I lived there for 24 years. So I mean, we got, we I lived. In, I lived Georgia. in Montreal for 20 years. I'm not wearing Montreal gear 24/7. As you would say, not to break the fourth wall, but you, you come in in an Expos hat That's every true. single That's day. True. You're talking about the 94 That's true. Uh, NL East race. Come on. That's true. That's true. Uh, Falcons, what's their record right now? Not good. One and three. One and three. Yeah, they are not good. You, but, uh, are you one of those guys right. who won't bet on your team? I mean, I'm not betting on the Falcons this year, but no, I, I'll bet on my team. I bet on Georgia against uh, Clemson oh, okay. this year. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So it's, uh, it's Wednesday, which means, uh, as we like to do these days, we're going to get some picks from you. Yeah. Uh, quick recap. What are we up right now? We are up 5.7 units overall. Uh, so, yeah, first uh, first two weekends have been pretty good to us, two profitable weekends. I mean, everyone's buzzing about GC and Hawani, the hottest new segment in, uh, hottest new segment in, out, in mixed martial arts. In fact, uh, the, uh, the, the person who this segment is named after the great Daniel Cormier actually called me about it. I thought he'd be upset. You're lying. That really happened? Of course. DC and I talk all the time. I mean, call him up right now. Uh, said he was honored. Said that uh, he took it as a big compliment and that he wished you the best. You know, obviously wow. he said, you sound a lot like Will Arnett. Um, yeah, yeah. It's Reese's. It's Reese's what Will Arnett does, not Kit Kat. I came on here oh, okay. saying he was the Kit Kat guy. All right. Well, uh, he said that he's honored by, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the mention, the recognition um, us sort of, you know, tipping our cap, giving the old nod to uh, the program DC and Hawani, and he has no issues with it whatsoever. And so uh, we've got UFC. The main ones we have, obviously, are UFC this Saturday and the big boxing match. I don't know if you're doing the boxing match. I think it would be fun. We talked a bit about it on uh, Monday. So without further ado, the floor is yours. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to mix in some boxing. Ooh. You got me following a fury again. I, I like, you did oh, yeah, it to me on right. Monday, and now you're doing it to me again now. <laughs> I, this I time, it's, it's bad, the great-looking one. Yeah, now now yeah. everyone has to see me. I'm sorry. You're just setting me up for failure here. All right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, UFC Vegas 39. Um, By the way, I'm not a big fan of... Um, well, why did Mysterious Frank, why'd you cut my mic there? Was there something wrong? Did I hit the mic? You're water drinking. Yeah, so is that gross? I'll do it with you. Actually, I'm kind of thirsty. I can't believe this is oh, happening. What, what's, the, what's the problem? So Mysterious Frank is actually waiting for me to, to drink the water, and you're going to mute me every time I drink the water? Is never, that what's happening? Never, is it that bad? Never again. We will <laughs> Why, have, did I, we'll did have I do water it? All over, the, all over the show. Oh, that's right. Did I do that during the Fury interview and you were disgusted? He wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah, was, I was like, I was, I was actually like mid. I was like, Ooh, and then I noticed, oh, my mic is off. I thought it was a mistake. Like I kicked something, uh, but I guess uh, MF is uh, quick on the trigger over there. 
What were we talking about? You were bothered by something. Something about UFC Vegas 39. Oh, yes. 39. I don't call it Vegas 39. Okay? We need to drop wow. that because... I, I knew you were going to say this, well, well, guess what? I did Fight Night last, yeah, last hate week. Yeah, I knew you... Hate that. Uh, what is it? What is <laughs> by the way, it? there have been more than 39 events in Vegas. Why are All we right. talking like it's been just this thing that started? 39 events. I mean, that's absurd. There's probably been 150 the, uh, events. The graphic says Vegas 39, so you're going to have to live Where's with Where's the graph? Oh, yours? Yeah, we can't show you yet. We haven't Scrap given the Scrap the segment. Up. Absolutely Scrap the not. segment. Call up uh, Tommy Fury. Okay, just for the record, I like to call them. Okay, the events are like UFC 266. Those are obvious. For the fight nights, I just go with fight night. You know, UFC fight night, Dern, Dern versus Rodriguez. Yeah, and okay. I'm a big fan of the X, by the way, not the versus. X is like a Brazilian way of doing it. Instead of versus, they do X. Yeah, it yeah, looks yeah, a lot right. cooler. Actually, ever since I've been doing it, if you notice on the ticker on ESPN for Monday Night Football. They've been using it now. They stole my gimmick. They'll do like Raiders X Chargers. Completely ripped off my gimmick. Next time it's you watch, all you you completely came up with that. Yeah. The Brazilian style. <laughs> they right. stole your. I brought it to me. America. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. Yeah. No, we're not scrapping the graphics though. I was, we were no, no. I, I love the Lupita, graphics. Lupita got canceled. She was on there. We had to go back to the live, oh, yeah, change yeah, the graphic. It was, a, it was a tough night for us, but uh, yeah, we had to, we had to get pretty deep in the mud for this one. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not the best card. It's a little bit. Thin. You said it, not me. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's not. It is not the best card. It is a little bit thin. Um, you know, kind of a tough card to bet too. A lot of uh, lopsided lines here. Um, so we got three singles now. We had four, but we lost Lupita, unfortunately. Sam Hughes. That was the trilogy that everyone was waiting for. Not Tyson Fury, Dante Wilder. Yeah. Who's Lupita? Sam <laughs> right, Hughes. Right, right, right. Third right. time they were going to be fighting, yep, but yep. unfortunately, we are not going to get that. So uh, yeah, let's start with the singles. Okay. Prelims first. Fight of the night, I guess afternoon. This one's going to be happening at like 1 o'clock. Yes. A little, little afternoon delight on the, uh, on the Saturday for you. Steve Garcia. We're going to take him by KO, TKO, or DQ at even money over Charles Ontiveros. Uh, this is a weird fight. It's, uh, it's kind of a weird card, and we started off with a weird fight. I'm not exactly sure why it's a UFC fight. Ontiveros spent his <laughs> entire career at 170, welterweight. Then he makes his UFC debut. He makes the jump. To be a last-minute replacement for Kevin Holland, he goes to middleweight, gets ragdoll, slammed to the ground, first round, neck injury, done from there. Mm-hmm. Now he's moving all the way down to lightweight to take this fight against Steve Garcia, 6'2 lightweight. He may struggle to make weight here. I just just find that odd. Meanwhile, on the flip side of this, Steve Garcia, he spent his whole career at bantamweight, took a couple fights at featherweight, makes his UFC debut, at lightweight, so they're kind of meeting in the middle of the uh, of the weight classes here. I don't know. I just I just kind of found that odd. But we've at least seen Steve Garcia at lightweight, and we've seen him at lightweight in the UFC, albeit he got dominated by uh, Violent Bob Ross. Uh, but he was good, putting good, pretty good pressure on him. Uh, so six foot kind of makes more sense for him to be at lightweight. All right, let's look back at the history of these guys a little bit, which I also found interesting. Charles Ontiveros, uh, you know, he fought our man. Michael Page, mm-hmm. MVP, who we saw last week, uh, he gets labeled as a can crusher. One of the cans that he crushed was Ontiveros. He, he beat him in the first round. And then if MVP is the can crusher, then Ontiveros is a can crushing cans. Eight of his 11 <laughs> wins come against opponents that are under 500. The combined record of his opponents, the current combined record of the opponents that he's beaten is 55 and 66. For those doing the math at home, that's 45% win percentage. That's not good in the fight game. Oh like he's, he's, he's not winning against uh, really good guys. Meanwhile, Garcia, he's 
Only fought two guys under 500 in his entire career. Also, his losses. They're not that bad for, for a guy that's fighting in the very first fight on not that great of a card. Luis Pena, Halon Cruz, Ricky Tercios. Kind of quality losses. Enough about that. Let's get to the actual fight. The octagon. How does Ontiveros lose? By knockout. He's been finished in all seven of his losses. Six of them coming by knockout. How does Steve Garcia win? By knockout. Eight of his 11 wins coming by knockout. I think he uses that pressure we saw him put on Luis Pena, but he's not going to get taken to the ground this time. And he'll be able to get the knockout on Ontiveros and cash our even money ticket. This is the most amount of time that we have ever spent on a UFC curtain jerker in the history of this program. That's what you get, man. Uh, we're deep in the mud. I told you we got in the mud, <laughs> and that's exactly where we're at right now. All right. Let's keep it moving before we lose all the audience. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, that's what we're playing. Well, I mean. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's mean, a winner, I'll come uh, back to Steve, you. I it's know, a winner, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Uh, Stuff yeah, it in my face. Well, we were going to go with the second fight after this. I had a deep dive on, on Lupita Godinez against Sam Hughes. And, but, uh, and what happened, by the way? Uh, Sam Hughes' coach, uh, COVID. Ah, so okay. so it's, uh, it's no longer happening anymore. Unfortunate to see. Is, so, it, is uh, there a new, uh, is Silvana Juarez in the spot now, or am I wrong? Yeah, it was uh, someone supposed to be on the Contender Series. Oh, right, right. And they um, making but the you're, not, you're not touching it? No, nah, now Lupita's like a huge favorite. Okay. She's like minus 400. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll start with the first fight, and now we'll jump all the way to the main event. Really? Strawweights. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that many singles. I got two, and the third one's on the boxing. Okay, gotcha. Um, Marina Rodriguez. I'm going to take her at Moneyline, oh plus 145. Wait, yeah. can you call, hey, uh, Joe, can you call back uh, Mackenzie real quick and let her know? I wow. feel like, I feel there he is. Get her on the horn. Uh, I feel like, uh, who did you do this to last week? Oh, Lauren Murphy. Yep. Okay. Two weeks, Two weeks ago. ago. Yeah. That's right. All right. That one was a little more clear yeah, cut. Yeah, this yeah. one, we're taking the dog. So in. it's money line, huh? I'm taking the money line plus one forty five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, stylistically, opposites attract here. Grappler and Mackenzie Dern, striker and Marina Rodriguez. Uh, I see it kind of as a closer, closer to a coin flip than Vegas does. I've I've seen as big as minus one eighty for Mackenzie Dern. Really? That surprises me. I mean, that could be my downfall, doubting, doubting Vegas. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, whose strength is going to shine, shine more through here? And, uh, you know, if the odds were flipped, I'd probably be taking Mackenzie Dern. If, if Dern was the underdog, I'd be taking her. I just think there's value in the dog here in, in a fight that I could see going either way. Uh, Marina's obviously the superior striker here. Dern, she looked more improved against Jan Daroba. Uh, but Rodriguez still has the uh, massive advantage. Now, obviously, with Dern, what we're worried about is getting taken to the ground and getting submitted. BJJ Black Belt, ADC Submission Fighting World Champion, five of the last wins by submission, all of those coming in the first round. She's literally got 
the danger to take it to the ground and end it at any moment if she gets the opportunity to. If I was taking Dern, I would take it at submission at plus 150. I think that's the play if you're going to mm. be playing Dern. Mm. I think that's her path to victory. Um, a lot of people point to Dern. She, uh, I don't know if you knew this. 10% takedown accuracy for someone who's getting all these submissions Interesting. Uh, in the UFC. I think... I think that's kind of skewed. I think she's improved that in recent fights. Um, and obviously it doesn't seem to matter. For the last fights, she, she wins by submission. Um, and she really only needs one. But she goes 0 for 5 on takedowns against uh, Jandaroba. Goes to a decision. Goes 0 for 6 against Hebus. Goes to a decision. Gets her only career loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally four months after she gave birth, but fair enough. Okay. I'm All just right. saying. I mean, yeah. So, well, Rodriguez, she's got 62% takedown defense. Uh, she kept it. Off the mat, majority of the fight against Watterson, despite Watterson going for the takedowns in that one. So what if Dern can't take it to the ground? What if she cannot get that early submission? What if she has to go the distance with Rodriguez? Uh, you know, this is a five-rounder. What is she going to look like in the championship rounds? We know what Rodriguez is going to look like. She went to 25 minutes with Watterson. I feel confident that she can continue to outstrike her throughout the fight if she can avoid getting submitted. And, uh, you know, I think she can, she can win by a decision. And she's shown the potential that... Even at 115, she has the power to turn the lights off, and I think she might be able to do that here. Uh, you know, the, the path is clear for Dern. I mentioned that. But I think Rodriguez also knows that the path is clear. She's been training to defend against these takedowns, to defend against these submissions, and I think that's what she's going to do. Uh, also, little bonus. Mm. You talked against it last week, MMA math. Oh. It, wor- it worked out for it us did, with Jamie yeah. Malarkey, so we're just going to keep riding the train. Dern, the only loss. Amanda Hebus. Amanda Hebus knocked out in the second round against uh, mm-hmm. Marina there. Ipso flipso. <laughs> I think Rodriguez. I think she's. I think she's a live dog at plus one forty five. That's what I'm. I'm go surprised with. that it's it's uh, it's that. Lo- I mean, lopsided plus one forty five. But I-, I thought for sure it would have been like a minus one ten, minus one ten. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. And then I saw the odds. That's why I'm saying. Yeah. No, it's worth it. I think. I think Marina's I think really good. A, Marina's really good. She looked great in her last fight. I think it's more a little bit more of a coin flip. That's why I said you know. I think if Dern was the underdog here, like if I, w- I would be taking Dern. Right. I, don't, I don't think I'm favoring either one that much. I just think the value is in yep, the dog yep. here. So I'm rocking with plus 145 uh, with Marina. I like it. All right. It's a big right. fight. I mean, I know it's not uh, you know, the biggest main event of all time, but both have looked very good. And I'm very high on Mackenzie Dern. I'm very high. Like, I think the winner of this fight is going to be one fight away from, you know, maybe the winner of the fight is going to fight Carla Sparza, who I think should have probably gotten the nod um, in the uh, the title fight on November 6th, but they went with Zhang Weili, the rematch against Rose Namajunas, uh, and I understand from a business standpoint why they did that. I can see the winner of this fight fighting Carla, and that would be an interesting style matchup, especially if it's Mackenzie Dern, the wrestler versus the jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner, and you talked about the takedowns. Uh, so yeah, interesting stuff. Big time fight deserves the attention. What else yeah. we got? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be a great fight. Now, wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if Darren won. Last single play we got. Well, now though. it feels like you're hedging by saying that because you're going to come back and say, "But I told you I wouldn't be surprised." <laughs> I told you if you're going to take a, a way on Darren, it's the plus money, plus one fifty on submission. But we'll see. I'm I'm riding with Rodriguez. You didn't slow. you didn't mute me there, by the way. But I moved away from the mic. It's all over now. It's over. You can't yeah. do it. I feel like it's a good gimmick. I mean, I've been doing it since we started, we started? the show back up. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't notice. You're quick. Well, this one's that you interrupted yourself. Yeah, I know. That's, water, right. So. that's right. That's right. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Um, all right. What else we got? All right. We're going to do a little sprinkle here. You, you mentioned this line on Monday. Oh. I'm intrigued by it. Tyson Fury, 
with the points by decision, plus 300 over Deontay Wilder. Is it plus 300 now? Was it plus 300 on Monday? I want to say it was like plus two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then and then I found it at plus three hundred. Yeah, wow. I mean they went the distance in the first fight. <clears throat> yep, there it is. Probably should have gone to Tyson on points. Uh, oh, I like those know. little uh, glove emojis. A yeah, nice touch. Yeah, huh? nice, nice touch. Differentiate, you know, it's not yeah, UFC. Yeah. It's, it's the boxing. Yeah, nice touch. But uh, yeah, I mean, like Tyson said on Monday, uh, you know, they've gone nineteen rounds. He thinks Wilder's only won two of them. I just. Don't really see a scenario where Wilder wins by decision. I, I think Wilder's going to have to be smarter here. Like that's it's the only option if he wants to stay in this fight. Uh, and Tyson has respect for his power. I think he has to be careful as well. And on top of that, interestingly enough, four of uh, Tyson's last seven have gone to decision, including one against Wilder. Uh, just to go to decision is plus two twenty. Might as well jack it up to plus three hundred because I think if it does go to decision, I firmly believe that Tyson Fury will uh, will win. Yes, like if you told me right now that you have already seen the fight and it went the distance, but you're not going to tell me who won. I'm saying, yeah, that's, I mean, that's obviously just, Tyson Fury. Yes. Um, by the way, his, uh, his bro, Tommy, he said, what did he say? Fifth round, right? I want to look no. up. If you go with Tommy's pick of fifth round, it is. Oh, it's going to pay out pretty good. Yeah, plus 1,400. Oh. <laughs> is it worth a sprinkle? And then, and then I'll, uh. bill, you know, I'll bill him if we lose. I, I like Tommy. that. Yeah, if we, I mean, if we can comp the bet out, then yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, at plus fourteen hundred though, that could cover the Jake Paul contract. I mean, that, you know, I he mean, doesn't even need to fight if he's hitting. That's those. true. He's in Vegas. Make it happen, Tommy. Let's go. I mean, the guy knows it better than anyone. So, um, could be all right. So it's just it's just that. Just three singles, man. Okay. It's, it's it's not a huge. Listen, you don't have you know you don't have to you don't have to give yeah. us eight like last time or whatever it was. Yeah, I, I don't love a ton of places we can, but we do. We're gonna get interesting. We're gonna get weird. It's a weird card. We're gonna get weird with, uh, okay. with the parlays. Here. All right, all right. What do we got? We got two parlays. Two parlays. Two parlays. Okay. Man. So we're gonna start with parlay number one. Prelims, leg one. Steve Garcia. This one just the money line minus three hundred over on Taveras. All the reasons that I just listed mm-hmm, earlier. Mm-hmm. It's as easy as that. We'll move on to leg two. Chris Gutierrez, minus 265, over Felipe Colaris. Colaris, he's never been finished. He's eaten a lot of big punches. That Montel Jackson fight, the Luke Sanders one, he's got a great chin. He's always applying pressure. But with that being said, I still think Gutierrez has the massive striking advantage here. Colaris just is not good on his feet. He absorbs twice the amount of strikes that he uh, lands. And uh, we can't forget Gutierrez. He's going to go to the legs. That's what he does. He's going to start chopping the wood early and often. He actually has a leg kick finish against uh, Vince Morales. Uh, his only finish in the UFC. Cavs are going to be red. He's just going to be depositing the calf kick bank on this one. Um, I think the really only the danger is Calaris taking it to the ground, BJJ black belt. Uh, but even if that happens, even if his legs aren't compromised at that point, I think Gutierrez has a solid enough takedown defense. Uh, plus, we, we got a little more MMA math, you know. Oh. We're, we're just going to ride it until yeah, it fails, yeah. I guess. Geraldo de Frites, he welcomes Calaris to the UFC with a loss. Next fight goes out, loses to Chris Gutierrez. Wow. So I'm going to ride with uh, Gutierrez. I think, it, I think it happens by unanimous decision here. Okay, and that is the, uh, the headliner, if you will, of the prelims, the last fight on the prelims. By the way, uh, cart starts at 1.30. I said 1. Uh, starts at 1.30 Eastern, and it's... Uh, it's no on ESPN time to Plus. Start it. Yeah. yeah, main card on ESPN. By the way, the worldwide leader, our former home. By the way, I was wondering. I noticed your uh, your Twitter avatar is you. I think on the red carpet at the ESPYS. Yeah, that's uh, completely fabricated. It's a setup they give you in Bristol. Oh, okay. No, uh, I mean they would never send me to the ESPYS. Come on. Well, man. I wasn't even wondering about that. I was just wondering when you were going to change it because it's almost like, hey, 
I have a new relationship, I have a new partner, and yet I'm still keeping the same photo of you know my I don't, old I don't, pl- I don't play that game. I, it's uh, weird. I mean, it's my little... Venmo picture is still with my ex girlfriend. I've started really? a new relationship. Yeah, I just don't. And the new one doesn't mind. No. Does she even know? Oh, she knows. She vends. She vends me all the time. I mean, she hasn't brought this up. I mean, that's actually really. It's weird. been brought up in front of her. She just. I just don't. It's just not that big of a deal. Come on. And here you are. She doesn't sweat it. Yeah. Here you are sweating. I my was Twitter actually wondering. Picture. I was like, okay. I mean, look at this I'm guy. I'm waiting. When are we changing it? Your Venmo is of your ex girlfriend. Is it just a picture of her, or is it you and her? I mean, it's just me and her. I've just never taken the time to change That's it. I just weird, don't care man. about my Venmo picture. I need picture. to talk to your new girlfriend care. about this. That is weird. That I'm is really triggered weird. by this. Yeah. That, like, man, that she's is... watching right now. There's no doubt she's watching right now. Well, so, whatever. So I'm sure I'm going to get a... Wherever, you know, what's something. her name? Can I have a first name? Tessa. Tessa. I mean, we need to fix this. I mean, this is a problem, if I'm being honest. Your Ven- and, and she's actually... Like, my wife doesn't Venmo me. We don't have a reason to... We have a bank account, you know? Uh, shared, whatever. She actually has to see this. Most people go through the timeline. It's so small. It's like most people have to go through and cleanse the timeline. That seems like the appropriate thing to do. You're rubbing it in her face. No. By the time you pull up the Venmo picture, by the time you get to the actual one and you're that viewing it full crazy. size on the phone, it's so pixelated. You, I mean, it's you can't even tell. It's uh, Joe. Do me a favor. Call up Tessa right now. Let's. <laughs> it's an it's a nothing. It's a nothing issue. And here you are sweating uh, my ass. I mean, picture. I mean, the SB one is weird. I mean, we work for a great company now. It just feels like it's time to move on. Are All you still right, hanging Vox, on? Me, I mean, you let s- me get a red carpet picture for Vox. <laughs> I mean, get one on the set. I mean, this is the most iconic set in broadcasting at this point it would be a nice picture and then you change you go new profile pic hashtag new profile pic at greeny just to let him know what he had wow. uh, <laughs> greeny uh, by Junior, the way Junior actually worked with greeny oh uh, this past weekend what do you mean where uh some sort of football thing Yoon, something. what yoon's i didn't know she was seeing other shows i thought it was she she has, she she has she was extra exclusive. things she has okay to do. interesting uh greeny now the voice of the nba apparently Congratulations Did you hear to about that? MG. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much countdown. unbelievable. The guy's got like 900 jobs. He's working to the bone. Okay, back to the uh, the pick. Sorry, this, sorry. Yeah, we got to finish this yeah, out yeah, here yeah. before we go yeah, to uh, TJ. TJ. Yeah. All right, final leg of the first parlay, co-main event, Randy Brown, Jared Gooden. Randy Brown, Jared Gooden, co-main event. Here we go. You got you, uh, you to love it. Uh, I'm going to take Randy Brown at minus 235 here. Okay. Um, I think the way Jared Gooden gets the win is by knockout. People say Randy Brown likes to go to sleep, say he has a bad chin, but if you look at the people he's lost to, Vincente Luque, Nico Price. Nico Price with a hammer fist from the bottom position. I just don't don't see that happening here. Even at a decision with Bilal Muhammad, you know, he's losing to high-quality opponents. I think if he stays on the feet, Randy Brown has the advantage, height, reach, keep him at range, he's the better striker. Goes to the ground, I think Randy Brown is the better wrestler. I think as long as he stays conscious, avoids the KO, Randy Brown has numerous avenues, gets the hand raise. So we'll go with Rude Boy to finish out the parlay, which will pay out, as you can see, plus 162. Plus 162. Look at that. I like that. You know, some people were accusing you last week of, uh, what was the Bellator one? Plus 111. 111, all right. Uh, proud of that one. Four leg plus 111. But uh, What's the, by the way, most that you ever hit on a parlay? Five, six? Like how many legs? Uh, legs? I mean, I've done like, yeah, like eight or nine. Really? Ones. Yeah. And you hit uh, it? Yeah, I mean, not always, but yes. I've, I mean, I've hit some pretty ridiculous bets. I mean, I've been betting for right. Like Who got you years. into it? Uh, just when I was in college. I mean, I always loved sports. So, do you feel like you your know. life has tra- changed drastically since like everything became legal? You know, not all states, but New Jersey, nah, New York. Nah. You don't because you were figuring out ways. Yeah, I mean, you got the offshore books, right? 
perhaps we'll have a big announcement regarding this in the very near future pertaining I mean, to this program. That's for you to say, not me. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right, let's Second one, yep. Parlay number two. We'll start with the prelims. Heavyweights, Alexander Romanov. We're going to take him inside the distance at minus 250 over Jan- Jared Vandera. Romanov, he's 14-0, 13 wins by finish. Could be 14, but obviously that one uh, against Juan Espino got got called early because of the low blow. Uh, Vandera, he's 3-2 and two in his last five. And in his last loss back in February, Romanov's fellow countryman, he did us a favor, the fellow Moldovan, Sergei Spivak, the polar bear, he lays out the master class for Romanov to get the victory against Vandera. You take this one to the ground right from the jump and you start going to work. Polar bear, he had eight and a half minutes of control time in a nine and a half minute fight before finishing him late second round. Jared Vandera has 0% takedown defense. I'm not saying, like, he has zero takedown defense. I literally mean he has 0% takedown defense. Wow. He's, he's never stuffed a takedown in his three fights in the UFC. What's Romanov's specialty? It's wrestling. He has over 70% control time in his three UFC fights. If you can keep that number up, it would actually be the highest in heavyweight history. Obviously, that's tough to do. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. But I think he keeps it up here. The path is clear. His strength is his opponent's weakness. And so we will go with King Kong from Moldova wow. to get the win by finish. I love it. Do we have the graphic for this? Oh, no, we can't go to Okay, it. okay, okay sorry. Give, gotta give the last two. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want to reveal. I get it. We'll go middleweights for the next one, main card. We'll go with Phil Haas at minus 290 over Duran Wynn. There's another bout with a good wrestler, but this one is much, much different with this one. Obviously, the glaring difference is the size of the two fighters. Duran Wynn is fighting at middleweight, 5'6", 70-inch reach, going against Phil Haas. Six-foot flat, 77-and-a-half-inch reach. That is a 7-and-a-half reach advantage for Haas. Besides this advantage, expertise being wrestling, we know Wynn's going to try to get this one to the ground. But can he? I mean, Haas is a pretty good wrestler. We we saw him get the NJCAA National Championship at Iowa Central Community College. We just saw what Kyle Dawkins can do. And that fight against Kevin Holland, man, he, he was doing really well. Fantastic grappler. Haas fought Dawkins previously, the fight before Holland. And uh, he won by unanimous, unanimous decision. He stuffed all seven of Dawkins' takedown attempts. I think he's going to be able to do that one here. We also know Haas has that KO power. We've seen that 18-second knockout against Jacob Malkon. He's got the size advantage, better, broader skill set. Theron Wynn, he's just 1-2 two, two in his last, uh, last three fights. We'll take Megatron to get it done here for the second leg. Big one for Theron Wynn. Mini DC, my guy. Mini DC, Some yes. might say a must-win for the big boy. I, I really can't argue with you. One tough, draw. Yeah. Tough, tough draw. Tough draw against Phil Haas. Haas is yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Third and final leg, it's the crossover parlay. We're going to take Tyson Fury, minus 295, oh. over Deontay Wilder. I mentioned the the decision prop, this one. It's just a win. Win any way you want, man. I learned my lessons of the Gypsy King last fight. I was holding a Deontay Wilder mm. ticket. I was ripping it up quick, man. What it, was it? Deontay Wilder via? Ooh, nothing, just a win just last time. Right. Yeah, it was like a minus 110, minus 110 fight. Yeah, I got, I got schooled pretty bad on that one. Um, you know, Fury... He said it on Monday that he's improved since the last fight, too. I actually believe him. And it's the last leg. I know it's only a plus 152 parlay, but it's the last leg. It leaves the door open if we want to do a little hedge on uh, Wilder by KO at plus 275. I think that's the only way he wins. So, uh, yeah, to finish it off, Tyson Fury money line. And uh, that'll play, pay plus 152. Oh, okay. Another plus. Um, by the way, you can go, like, you can do, not to say that we want that here, but, like, you can do parlays. With anything, right? Like you could do one fight, one basketball game, one football. Oh, yeah, yeah, matter. especially on books like DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah. They, they leave the option open. But I said we were going to get weird. I like it. 
So we're going to get weird here. We're going to add a little extra oh, sprinkle onto this. There's more? Yeah. Oh, oh. What could possibly go wrong with this one, Ariel? We're okay. going to take the ingredients from parlay number one. Yes. The ingredients from parlay number two. We're going to put them in a melting pot. We're going to stir them together, and we're going to parlay the parlays. We're going to put a little sprinkle on that. Obviously not as much as the other two parlays, but we're going to take a six-leg parlay combining the two parlays we took, just in case if they all hit. Wait, so that's a third parlay? A third parlay. We have a third what parlay for this hell? weird, wacky card. That is bizarre. I never heard of someone doing that. Well, you just have. Yeah. I mean, so so here's the, here's the plan of action here to make it make a little bit more sense. If one hits and the other loses, you know, it's just kind of a wash. Yeah. You, you profit a small amount. But if, if you go two for two and then you get that extra little sprinkle, I'm talking like half of what you're putting on the single parlays on this big parlay. If they all hit, then... You know, you don't want to. You don't want to have both parlays hit right. and not have the six leg parlay just in case. I get it. I mean, I've never heard of it, but I understand why you're doing it. I mean, I don't understand why you're doing it. I understand the reasoning behind it. Um, if you understand the reasoning, yeah, it sounds like you understand why, why yeah. I'm doing. it. I mean, it just seems a little crazy. But it, oh, we got to get crazy on. This I mean, card, you man. could end up looking like a genius uh, come Saturday night. So, or we could just hit one parlay, go you know, yeah. one and one in the singles and. Could just be, I don't know. I mean, this, this is going to be a weird, it's a weird I card, like it. man. It's, You've it's given not... us uh, an extra reason to be invested. You've given us something to look forward to. So thank you. And uh, Jedi Goodman has already tweeted out the picks. I mean, we're already done. Well, the super parlay, the parlay, the parlay, yeah. that, plays, that pays plus 560. Wow. That. Yeah. That's fun. It's fun, man. I it's like gonna, that. We'll, we'll see. We'll see, though. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Good stuff. TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw coming up next. Uh, strap on your seatbelt. After that, we'll be joined uh, by Zhang Wei Li, and then uh, we'll be answering some questions. So thank you very much to uh, GC. Tons of picks there. He'll be tweeting them. At Connor Burks is the uh, the Twitter handle, and uh, we shall uh, we'll sh- we'll see how he does. He's up as of now. How many weeks have we been doing this? Two. I think it was two sixty six was the first one. Last week was the second one. Time is just. All mixed together. I mean, I feel like I've been doing this show now for the last three years. feels like we never left at this point. In reality, we've only been doing it for a little over a month and a half. Less than two months. August 15th. I think so. Yeah, it was August 15th. Um, all right. So, matter of seconds, we'll, we're going to be joined by uh, TJ Dillashaw. Uh, on Monday, we spoke to Corey Sanhagen about his opportunity to fight for the interim uh, bantamweight title on October 30th. He's fighting Piotr Jan. Of course, this fight is happening because Aljamain Sterling, who we spoke to last week, we're really into the weeds here with the bantamweights. I like it. We're kind of falling. It's like, a, it's like an episodic television show, a sitcom. You know, sometimes they're one-offs. Other times there are, you know, there are threads between each episode. I don't know why I have two pencils now, but I'm kind of liking it. Um... So last week we spoke to Aljo, Monday we spoke to Corey, and in a matter of seconds we're talking to TJ Dillashaw. Of course, the last time we saw TJ Dillashaw in action was back in July. Very close fight, one of the best fights of the year. Uh, in the end, TJ Dillashaw got the nod, and it was his first fight in over uh, two years since the Henry Cejudo fight. And uh, of course, it was supposed to happen earlier in the year, but he suffered that gnarly cut, so it had to be postponed. And then uh, the fight happens, and then he got banged up again and had surgery, a whole bunch of stuff. And one wonders, 
uh, had he not had the surgery, he might be the guy fighting Piotr Jan on October 30th in Abu Dhabi. So a lot to talk to the former UFC bantamweight champion about. Let's go to the Magic of Zoom and say hello to TJ Dillashaw. There he is. TJ, how are you? Doing good, man. How about you? Long time no speak. Uh, I like the beard, by the way. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I don't look so young, I guess, with it. You know, I'm getting old, so it's got time to look the part. Yes, I like it very much. So, uh, like I said, a lot to talk to you about. First things first, how are you feeling? You had the the knee surgery, right? Yeah, I had knee surgery, what, nine weeks ago? I think almost going on 10 weeks. Um, starting to feel a lot better. You know, I was on crutches for five, so that's, you know, a little unfortunate. But because of what I tore, I had to be uh, pretty careful with coming back and, and getting off the crutches and stuff. So, yeah, it was a super unfortunate situation. I mean, I tore everything but my ACL and my knee. I tore my LCL, Damn. my medial, my lateral, my medial, my medial and my lateral meniscus, as well as my PCL. Wow. And that was in the fight, right? That was the last 10 seconds of the first round when oh Corey tried, yeah, I tried scrambling up to his feet. So he was going for a heel hook, never had the heel hook. I started landing some big ground and pounds. So he pushed off with his legs to stand up. And as he like threw me backwards, I tried to stay on top. And my knee was in that 50 50 position, bent outwards sideways. And that's where the LCL and everything just exploded at the side. I mean, it was so loud. It was, I'm surprised. I mean, he didn't hear it. I mean, he might have. I don't know. It was really loud. And, Pretty painful, to be honest. How did you fight 20 more minutes with that? Ah, uh, Just straight grit and will. And, you know, I'm coming back off two years, and that's not the way I wanted that fight to end, you know. So I just uh, pushed through it, man. I mean, that's kind of why I came out when I watch it now. I came out so flat-footed that second round because, I mean, I remember sitting down the corner, and the first thing I say was my, my knee's fucked, you know. And they blurted it out because I cussed, and it was on ESPN. But, um, you know, they wanted to ice it and stuff, but there was no point of doing so. I just, uh, I just, I it was, I was real worried about it coming out in the second round. So I had less footwork, I was a little flat footed. And um, I'd say that was Corey's best round. Uh, at any point, did the pain get to be too much? Like, did you, did you think like, man, I can't do this. Uh, we're in the third round here. I got two more rounds of this. That's absurd. Most guys tear their, you know, all that stuff. I mean, they're on the, they're on the court, they're on the field, they're on the, the mat crying. I mean, and understandably so. Did you ever think of that? Um, you know, there's a point in the second round where I took Corey's back and I threw my hooks in, like oh, taking man. his back and putting my legs in. And when I put my legs in, it popped completely back out again. And I actually oh. had to, I was in like the, the best situation you could be in. And I had to completely bail out and push off of him because my knee popped back out of socket. And that was probably when I felt the most pain. Um, it obviously hurt when it happened, but when it popped out again, the second time that time it, it hurt really bad. And from there on out from the rest of the fight, I kind of had to do what I could to not let it you know, because your LCL is what keeps your, your knee in, in socket kind of. And so after that happened, I kind of did whatever I could to not let that happen again. So when I would take his back, it was the whole reason why I wasn't really finishing my takedowns because I couldn't lift. I couldn't do my trips. Um, a lot of things that I wasn't unfortunately able to, to do. And you couldn't see as well out of one eye? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, I had a gnarly that, that cut reopened obviously a different direction, even a worse direction. I wish it would have opened. Actually, they probably stopped. I'm it's crazy they didn't stop it. I really owe Tate a huge thank you because he did a great job, the cut man, of closing it up at the end of each round. And so, it, it, like the first minute of every round, it was good after the second round, I could see. But because of the way the cut went, it went vertical. You can probably still see the scar. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it, it went vertical this way. So, it was going straight down into my tear duct. And so all that blood that was coming out was just going straight into my eye. And I had to you know, completely lie and say that I could see. 
Wow. Uh, and that's, uh, that's your right eye. I mean, so you're dealing with the knee, you're dealing with the eye. The, by the time the fight is over, before they reach, you know, the, the end of the fight, the scorecards are red. Do you think you have won this fight or are you preparing yourself yeah. for defeat? No, I knew it was a close fight, but um, I figured I won three rounds um, when I was going into it. Cause I, I knew that Corey did his best damage in the second round and had another good, you know, pretty close round with me. But, you know, the, the thing about this is a sport, right? So, yeah, I, I definitely got banged up. You know, one of those the knees is my fault. Um, the eye was a cut that I already previously had, but that doesn't matter, right? Going into the fight, it, it doesn't matter. So, um, he, but he had his best rounds, his biggest punches and, and dropped me. Uh, was in the same round, you know? Um, so he won those rounds and I knew that going into it, I talked to Dwayne as soon as the, the fight was over. I was like, I won that. Right. He's like, yeah, you got it. I was like, cool. And so going in, but I, I was still nervous because going into that decision, I knew it was a very close fight. And I've been into some, some fights in which the judges that I don't agree with. Right. And so, um, yeah, you're always nervous going to that decision, but I felt like I did enough. And then after afterwards, I went back and watched the fight, and I actually think I won four rounds. I mean, I might be being a little biased, but um, when you actually look at the control and what was done, I mean, most of those rounds he spent his face against the cage, you know, and if I would have had two healthy legs, I mean, that fight would have been completely different. I mean, I don't think he would have made it out of the fight, actually. Um, much was made of the fact that you guys trained together back in the day. Uh, vastly improved fighter after fighting him? Like, do you think he, he improved a lot since the days of you guys training together? Yeah, and I wouldn't say so much his skills, right? I'd say more of his mentality and, uh -huh. and his belief, right? Uh, I knew Corey was, I mean, back when I was training out there, I was using him for my Dominic Cruz fight because he's, his motion was so good and his trickery was really, really well. Um, he's always like the best training partner I had out there and he wasn't even even on the radar of the UFC. And I was like, man, we got to get this guy in the UFC. Like, he's legit, you know? Um, but I didn't think that um, he had like – the grit or the belief in himself yet. And he's coming into that. So look, man, I wish him all the best. And um, it's awesome that he's getting a title shot. I mean, I'm unfortunately hurt and I can't step in there. So why not let it be him? I mean, he's a, a great opponent. And I want to ask you about that title fight in a second. I had Corey on the show on Monday, asked him about your injury. I just want to play you a quick clip and get your response. Okay. Cool. All right. Here's Corey. Yeah. Could you tell that he was having trouble seeing? Uh, he was blinking a little bit, man. Um, I don't know. The guy has a lot of excuses coming off of a win. You know, like I've heard him talk about his leg. I've heard him talk about his eye. And it's like, if you don't want to have a fight where you're, you can't see and you, and you have two fair limbs, then like, don't get your leg broken and don't get your eye punched. You know, like don't make an excuse about it. What do you think of that TJ excuses or facts? I mean, it is the fight game, right? That right. is a reality. And that, that knee was healthy. It was actually my other knee that was hurt going into that fight. So I did have a healthy knee, you know. Um, it was a real unfortunate situation that I blew my knee out. But I was able to push through and still get the victory on one leg, you know. I'm not – it's not an, an excuse. It's a more power to me of, of pushing through that and saying, you know what, fuck you, I'll beat you on one leg, you know. Um, but, I mean, I, I know he's going to be bitter. He's a fight he thought he should have won. Um, he's trying to push for the belt. And so, you know. I'll let him be the bitter guy because I'm over that, man. I'm too old and I've been in this game too long to be pissed off at a, a sport that um, is my job because it'll make me end up hating it. So, you know, I've gone through those drama situations. I've fought the Cody Garbrandts. I've had to deal with Dominic Cruz. And I've, I've learned a lot through those fights that I actually fight better when I go in there with, with, with no anger and no animosity. Did you feel like that in the past, like the animosity, like it consumed your soul and it made you into perhaps an unhappy person? 
Oh, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it, it would, it would control your um, emotion for sure. I mean, this, this sport's crazy, man. We're all eyes are on us all the time and that's a good and bad thing, right? Like UFC's done such a good job promoting us and making us so visual to the, to the, our fans and our audiences, but it's also, you know, doing interviews and right. um, who you are as a person and just, uh, you know, all that takes a toll, you know, and your family life at home. So those two years, those two years off actually really kind of grounded me with, uh, what I want my life to be and uh, that I'm actually comfortable with not being a fighter, even though I love it and I'm going to continue to do it and get my belt back, but you know, I'm fine. You know, I've set myself up financially to where I don't have to fight anymore. You had big fights throughout your career. You will continue to have big fights, but considering the layoff and what happened in the Cejudo fight and all the talk and all the anticipation uh, for your return, is it possible that you are more nervous for this Sanhagen fight than maybe some of the title fights back in the day? because of everything that was, you know, talked about and everything that went into this return. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair to say. Um, I, you know, being a mentally tough competitor, you kind of have to lie to yourself all the time. Mm. You know, like <laughs> you always have negative thoughts that come in your head, but you just overpower them with positivity. Um, and so, yeah, I man, I was definitely, you know, nervous going into the fight, but I just wouldn't let myself be nervous. I guess if that makes any sense. You know, just don't, don't get my time to be nervous. Just work. I think that's maybe why I work so hard too, is just to get rid of the nerves, right? When you know you're that prepared, you're less nervous. So, um, yeah, I mean, sorry, long winded answer to your question, but yeah, I was definitely nervous going into the fight. Well, I, I wish I could do there that. Was a, by the lot, way. a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you do that? Like I, I, I get nervous. I can't talk myself out of the nerves. Yeah, I think it's just something that I've had to practice my entire life. You know, I never, I never had to see a sports psychologist. It was just a trial and error, you know, just competing since I was eight years old and, you know, dealing with nerves and, um, you know, and even if you're not a competitor, dealing with ups and downs into your life. I mean, dealing with negativity is, is life in general, right? And just learning how to think about it positively, no matter what the spinoff is, right? No matter what situation, whatever, whatever hole you put yourself into, there's got to be some sort of positive outlook you can spin on it. Right. Uh -huh. Excuse my dog. Maybe there's a delivery person or someone at the door. There is. Yes. <laughs> yes, a delivery person, yeah. yeah. I've been there as well. Um, you, you were just saying before I uh, interrupted you, I'm sorry, a lot of pressure on you. You felt a lot of pressure going into this fight? Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. You know, I was dealing with a, a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of crap from the decisions I made, you know, and, and understandably, but, um, there's a lot, you know, a lot to deal with and a lot to come back from. And, you know, um, just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know how else to answer other than that. Do you get worried that the decision that you made for that Cejudo fight, the EPO is going to cloud the entire career and all your accomplishments and that people bring that up when they talk about Burrell, when they talk about the rematch and all that stuff, which, you know, not really. you don't get worried about that? No, because I know the truth. Um, and I mean, if I'm going to sit here and worry about what every single person says, then I'm going to be a really unhappy person. You know, uh, same reason we're always in the limelight. You know, we have these fans, you have these haters, you have these negativity. Same thing I was already talking about, right? You got to be able to overcome that. And that's kind of like when we saying the hole you dig yourself into, that was my hole. And that's what I was talking about, right? Like learning to overcome that. And it was a, lot, a tough one to overcome. The first six months, I think, were by far the hardest. You know, I having to be on top of the world, going to um, ridicule and then also going through double shoulder surgery, sitting on the couch. I mean, that's probably the most depressed I've been in the six months of my life ever, you know? Wow. So um, getting, getting through that and then uh, 
going nowhere up, going nowhere, but up from there is, uh, helps with, with all that as well. How did you get over the depression? Like, what did you do to make yourself feel better? Start training again. That's why I said the, the shoulder surgery definitely didn't help, uh, with everything that was going on because I went from, as soon as I found out I was getting suspended, I scheduled surgery because I've been needing surgery for like the last three or four years while I was fighting, um, shoulders dislocating all the time, but just kind of putting it off because you have big title fight after big title fight and uh, you don't have time to sit out for a year, you know, but I knew I was going to have to be out for two years. So I got both my shoulders operated on. Um, but it was also bad timing because, you know, dealing with a lot of emotional stuff as well as sitting on the couch. You know, I, I feel like the, if anyone's dealing with like depression or anxiety and things like that, I think physical activity and working out is the best medicine you can have, you know, screw all these prescription drugs you take and things like that. Actually get out there and challenge yourself and, and push yourself is the best thing you can do. And after six months, I couldn't do that. I couldn't agree more. Did you watch the, the, the sport at all, or did you need a break from it mentally? Like, would you tune into big fights or, or not at all? I guess big fights and maybe fights that I had, um, interest in for, for friends or teammates, right? Like I was coaching Juan Archuleta and some of the guys that uh, were training at the gym and helping out with Cubs once and get ready for fights and things. So I'd obviously watch those, but uh, even still today, either unless there's like some sort of uh, invested interest of who I'm going to fight or a friend that's fighting, I don't really watch fights. You know, I'm, I'm not one to, uh, for me, it's almost like taking work home with me, mm -hmm. you know, um, having a feeling of walking out isn't, something I feel like having while sitting on my couch. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, okay, okay. And so you, you have the surgery and uh, obviously you're coming off a win. Did they, or did they not call? I mean, I don't know if they would, cause they would know your status. Like, did they ask you if you'd be willing to fight Jan or did they know that you're not healthy? So there was no point that call didn't even happen. No, they knew, they knew okay. I wasn't healthy. You know, they obviously knew what sh a surgery I had. I mean, their insurance pays for it. Right. They know what's going on with me, right? Like I, and I also just keep them in the loop. I have my, my, my manager, Tiki, keep them in the loop to know what's going on. Um, you know, it was going to be perfect. I was going to get back, get healthy, um, fight the winner between Jan and Sterling. Um, you know, that was the, the next fight. So now it's whoever's got the belt when I'm healthy. Okay. You know, I went out there and proved myself. I was the one that vacated my belt. I didn't lose my belt due to a loss. I lost my belt to the decision I made and they had to vacate it. Um, so when these guys are talking about they're feeling like they're going to be the true champion, even though he goes out and beats Jan, he's not because Jan wasn't even the true champion. He ever beat a champion at the bantamweight division to be, actually even become a champion, you know. So there was never, never there's never a real lying champion, anyways. And now um, they're fighting for an interim belt. So I've already proved myself. I came back. I came off a two year layoff. Fought number one contender. Uh, that title fights mine when I come back. Okay, and and yes, that is what Corey said to us on Monday that when he I was asking him basically. Some people get the interim title, they kind of throw it to the side. They say they're not the true champ until they win the undisputed belt. Uh, he said he viewed Jan as the true champ because of what happened with Sterling in March. Uh, and you're saying, and there's a strong case to be made, that you never lost the belt, that uh, no one ever beat you for that title. And so what happened? Like, so the timeline with the knee, just so we know, um, realistically, when could you fight again if, if all goes well? I'd say March. Oh, okay. So that's not too bad. March, April, you know, I mean, I'd say March would be the best, best case. I mean, uh, making huge gains already. Um, I'll be able to start doing super heavy strength conditioning and moving around, uh, I'd say middle to end of November, um, gives me time to get into a camp and get right back after it. Okay. So then what happens? They have this fight on October 30th 
and they may go to Aljo next. You're not. It doesn't sound like you want to fight anyone else, right? You want to fight for the belt next. Oh, I don't even know if Aljo's ever going to come back. To be honest, you know, from this, from what he had done, to be to be honest, is kind of crazy. I mean, if I was him, I would have waited to get that done. Um, my coaches, my my strength conditioning coach, as well as my wrestling coach, that you know, do, sells the medical equipment that did his neck. Don't believe he's ever going to come back. Really. You know? um, I think he's just holding on to this belt as long as he can and maybe try to soak up. I don't know what's, I mean, that's just, a, I've, I've had that feeling already. So when he pulled out of the fight, I wasn't surprised. Um, I bet he's dealing with nerve damage. I bet he's dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, you go get your, your neck cranked on with what he's got done. I mean, it's definitely not good. So we'll see. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I don't know if he's ever going to come back. Wow. So you think it was a questionable decision to have the surgery when he did after that controversial should have had the fight with Jan, yeah. clear it up. And yeah. then do what you got to do. Absolutely. I mean, you're on top of the world. You're the champion. You know, yeah, you want it the way you did, but now you're going to start getting paid like a champion. You're going to have these big fights. Like, take advantage of them while you can, not go out there and get this neck surgery. I mean, I understand he's got the problem. He has the injuries. I mean, I was dealing with two blown out shoulders while I was a champion, but I wasn't willing to sit out for a year because I had big paydays. Like, let's be honest, I'm in this sport because I love it, but I've been in it for a long time. I'm in it for the money, man, you know? And like I said, I don't need the money anymore. Now I'm in it for these big fights, these big paydays. And, uh, you know, I am the best band of weight right now. I'm the best band of weight, I believe, of all time. And uh, I'm going to come back and get my belt back and be a three-time champion. So that's that's where my goals are at, right? But I just don't think he should have got the surgery. I love this. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot of fighters, especially you're still relatively young. How old are you now? Mid-30s, right? 35. 35, yeah. Uh, why don't you need the money, basically? Like, what have you done to put yourself in the position where you are comfortable to where you're not, you know, going paycheck to paycheck like some other fighters at your age? I've I've been very smart since day one since I've been getting paid with the UFC. I've uh, always known that this job is never secure, right? We don't have a, a, a nine-to-five paycheck where I want a salary. I fight. I get paid when I fight. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that dictate when you fight your health, right? you know, your opponent's health, um, the politics of who you're going to fight. There's just a, a lot of unknowns. And so for me, that makes me nervous, right? So when there's unknowns, like I'm going to make sure I hold on to my money. I'm going to make smart choices. I'm putting away for retirement. Um, you know, for me, I was able to hold on my money and, and not buy a bunch of stupid shit and start businesses now that are paying me back. You know, this residual income is paying me back from the businesses that I've started. Um, you know, I've just been really smart. You know, I, I've haven't been, been done with my paychecks and i started this uh, i'm the i'm the area developer for southern california for a company called clean juice oh. um it's a organic cold press juice company you know do everything we're the only usda approved organic franchise in the nation but you know we do juices smoothies uh sandwiches wraps all that good stuff like a healthy spa kind of fits into my lifestyle and now we're going to open 63 stores from san diego to north la to palm springs and I'm the area developer for that, you know? So there's a lot of big things in the works for me outside of fighting. It's going to take care of me forever. Wow. Uh, what is it like for you to see some of your peers, some of your friends, former teammates? Like, you know, we saw Joseph recently retire. Uriah seems to be done. Uh, Chad, you know, he's going to do the BKFC thing. But like the guys who you came up with, and not even just those guys, opponents, you know, Hennon's out of the UFC. Like to see those guys that you came up with slowly but surely walk away call it a career what's that like for you 
Um, I mean, it makes sense. This is a tough-ass sport. It's a tough-ass career to choose, right? I mean, you get more beat up training and practicing than you actually do in your fights. Mm-hmm. Normally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say my last fight, but <laughs> I'd say no, no, normally, you know? So, um, shoot, I mean, I've had 10 years in the UFC already. That's a, that's a long career, you know, so I can understand these guys uh, going out. But I've taken care of myself, you know? I have done things the right way. I really strict on my diet. I'm very strict on my physical therapy and my strength conditioning to where I could fight another five years if I want to, you know? Um, and we'll see, we'll see, uh, how the future lays out and, and, um, what goals I continue to set for myself. Do you want to fight till 40? I don't know. Um, I guess that's, I mean, that's a great way that I don't have to put a timeline on it. And I also don't have to say that I have to fight till I'm 40 cause I need the money. Right. It's all about how I feel and, and, and what, uh, my, my career is doing and how I'm performing. If, if I guess my question would be, or my answer will be is if I can't say that I'm the best band weight in the world or best, whatever division I'm in, then I'll retire. You know, if I don't want to have a true chance of becoming a champion, then what's the point of chasing this? You know, especially when you don't have to do it for the paycheck. By the way, one of the big fights that people wanted to see you in was you versus DJ back in the day. DJ was on the show last mm-hmm. week. And I don't know if you saw, he's fighting this guy uh, named Rotong, this Muay Thai legend in this mixed rules fight. One round MMA, one round Muay Thai for four rounds. And I said, this is a crazy fight, DJ. And you didn't want to do the crazy fight with TJ back in the day. What changed? And so he offered, you know, a different time. This, and that. But did you know about this? And did you have a reaction when you heard about DJ uh, taking this fight? No, first of all, I mean, like I said, I don't pay attention. Yeah. I probably should pay t- attention <laughs> a little bit more. But um that's awesome because I mean, I mean, if he's doing that, he's hopefully he's getting paid very right. well for it. You know, I think his, his move has been great for him. I love seeing him and his family. Um, he's got to make these smart moves right now and get get the big payday so that he can, you know, do the same as myself and set himself up for as, as long as he needs to be. That he's not going to have to be. He's definitely not going to be one of those guys that you're going to be seeing fight too late because he's also smart with the way he trains. He doesn't get beat up all the time. He seems like he's on a good diet, good regimen all the time. And he always seems like he's pretty smart with his money. So he's never one of those guys you're going to see fighting too long, you right. know, which is very unfortunate to see. Uh, he uh, he told us that he saw you in Disneyland and came up to you and after the Cejudo fight and confronted you. Is that true? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he saw me at Disneyland. He's like, uh, what are you asking me? He asked me, like, um, why'd you do it or something? What a few. Yeah, he said me like, what would it feel like or something? You know what I mean? Like, asking me like how it felt or whatever. I was like, to be honest, it felt like fucking shit. I was down to 4%, 4% body fat and I was anemic. So I felt horrible, to be honest. But, you know, it's pretty, that's what DJ is. Though. He's so lighthearted. You know, he's such a easygoing guy. Uh, by the way, just curious before I let you go, what, uh, what do you think of your old friend Henry Cejudo trying to fight for the 145 pound title? He's making the hard push. Do you think that uh, he would be successful in that fight against Volkanovsky? I actually do think it's a good fight for him. Stylistically, I wouldn't say that like uh, 45 is a great weight class for him for his stature and things like that, but Volkanovski is actually a great fight for him. And I, I do see that being a good fight for uh, Cejudo. So, I mean, I'm not not mad at him pushing for that because it could be a pretty interesting fight. It's a fight that I would watch. You know, I don't watch many fights. Right, right, right. Yeah, it would be big. Uh, Jose Aldo is fighting Rob Font, but he said he really wanted to fight you. Uh, if it's not for a belt, are you interested in that fight or are you only interested in title fights? Like if he wins against Font and then comes back and they say, hey, you can fight Aldo, we're going to do Sterling versus the winner of Sanhagen Yan. What do you think? 
No, from what I've been told, I'm fighting for the belt next. Okay. You know, no matter what that belt did, what that belt is. So um, that's kind of where my mindset's at right now. But shit, it's Jose Aldo. I mean, how could you say, you know, I mean, Jose Aldo to me is an all time legend. So uh, it's hard to not think about taking a fight if it's offered to you. But I'm fighting for the belt next, is what I've been told. Who wins? Yana or Sanhagen? You know, to be honest, I think it's a, a little bit of a toss up. You know, Jan's got that uh, grit. He's got that toughness. He's got that mental toughness, and he's pretty well rounded. You know, but Corey's uh, flashy and dangerous on his feet. Um, I can see it going either way. It depends on who puts uh, the ball in their court. Um, Jan does have that champion championship mentality, which um, I do think Corey's made a better improvement on his mentality. But I just don't think it's one hundred percent all the way there. You know. Okay. Uh, TJ, I appreciate the time. I wish you a speedy recovery. Congrats on the return and uh, overcoming everything in that fight. Unbelievable stuff. Thank you for always coming on the program and answering the questions and uh, looking forward to seeing you back in the uh, the first quarter, hopefully, of 2022. Yeah, appreciate it, my man. Thanks All for right. having me on. Talk to you soon. There he is, TJ Dillashaw, yep. the, uh, the former bantamweight champion, and uh, he said it right there. He has been told that his next fight will be for the bantamweight title. Really interesting to see how that's all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Going to play out. Sanhagen Yan, October 30th. Sterling, obviously, still the champ. Uh, you would think that the winner of the interim title. Now, worth noting, uh, historically, we have seen situations where the interim champion uh, isn't fighting for the belt next, right? We've been, you know, we've been in a spot where I remember Robert Whitaker won the interim title against Yoel Romero. And then uh, Michael Bisping was still the champ. Remember, he walked into the, the the cage. That was July of 2017. And then they eventually did Michael Bisping versus uh, George St. Pierre. And Whitaker had to wait. And then eventually GSP wins the belt here in New York. Came in studio a few days later. That was incredible. Uh, vacated the title. Had the colitis, unfortunately. And then they basically had Whitaker as the champ because he was the interim. So we have seen a couple times, and I think something recently might have happened. My My mind is mush. Um, but we have seen sometimes in the past couple times where the interim champion isn't fighting for the belt next. So it's possible, I suppose, Sanhagen, Jan win the interim title. And then uh, if they told Dillashaw that he's next and maybe he fights Sterling. I, I do, I do, uh, and I'm not trying to psych out, you know, Mysterious Frank by doing this. I'm, I'm about to take the sip. But I have heard from people quietly wondering why uh, Sterling had the surgery when he did. He's already explained that. And also whether or not he will fight again. I mean, neck surgery is serious stuff in this sport. Tough to delay it. Tough to come back from it. Tough to fight while you're still nursing it. It's tough. All right. That's annoying. That's obnoxious. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize, Frank. It's all good. That's just like Larry David. I love Larry David, but I don't get the reference. He, there's a whole episode of Curb where he just talks about the... <sighs> at the mm. end of drinking.
All right. Um, I believe I know what you're talking about. Uh, I did have uh, a nice message here from Team Pitbull, and they've said that if I come to uh, if I come to Brazil, that acai is on them. I don't know if you guys have ever had acai in Brazil. Are you a big acai fan, Frank? Yeah. Have you had acai? I have. But in America? Yes. I've never tried uh, a food that tastes so different in one place as opposed to its place of origin. In other words, yeah, you can go to you know Milano or Napoli and have a nice pizza pie. And yeah, you can come to you know New York City and have a pizza pie. And it's all different everywhere. There's different styles. You got the Napolitan, you got the New Haven style, you got this, you got that, Sicilian, whatever. You go to Brazil and you have acai, it tastes completely different than what you are tasting here in America. And let me be clear, a thousand times better. It's one of the most... I, I, the first time I had acai in Brazil, out-of-body experience. I felt like my soul came out of my body and was sitting next to me. It was incredible. It was acai con granola from Bibi Sucos in Rio de Janeiro. And I had it with the granola blended in. There were no crazy toppings. It was just literally a cup of acai. My mouth right now is watering at the thought of that experience. And I didn't really like going to Brazil, if I'm being honest. But I did it, I think, five times in a couple of years to go to the fights, but mainly to have the acai. It was incredible. So if anyone out there from BB Sucos is listening, please, I would like a sponsorship, and I don't even want to get paid. I just want the SAE and I want the legit stuff. I want it flown over here, legit. I'm going to give it to the crew and everyone will understand what I'm talking about when I talk about this divine piece of food. Without further ado, last guest of the day. Remember, after this guest, we'll answer your questions, so get them in while you can. Uh, she is the former UFC Women's Strawweight Champion. She's getting a chance to uh, get that title back on November 6th, just a few blocks from here at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. Perhaps we'll be live from the Mecca. They love me over there at the Mecca, at the world's most famous arena. They love having Hilwani in the house. And it's a big-time fight on a big-time card. It's Usman Covington. It's the sequel. And it's Namayunis Zhang Weili, number two as well for the strawweight title. Without further ado, let us go to the Zoom machine and say hello to Miss Zhang Weili, who's kind enough to join us right now. How are you, Zhang? Thank you so much for the time. Hi, honey. Yes. My new, my new hair. What do you think? I love it. I love <laughs> it. Yes. I love it. Thank you. It's great. Uh, thank you. And thank you to your translator as well. What, what is your name, sir? Mung. Mung? Mung. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you both for the time. Uh, there's a lot to talk to you about. And so I'm really excited about this. Can I ask, why did you cut your hair? It was big news when you did it. Why did you do it? I, I'm so concerned that um, I get involved from uh, my jiu-jitsu practice. So I have always wanted to cut my hair, but now I have the brave enough to cut it. Wow. And, and do you like it? Yeah. She likes it very much. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming you got a lot of compliments. People like the change. It's a little bit, it's a... Uh, Maybe a bit of a, uh, you know, a nerve-wracking thing to shave off the head, but it was a good experience for you. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, the other big change uh, has been that you are now training in Arizona. You're in Arizona right now with the great Eddie Cha, the team over there at Fight Ready, getting ready for the title fight. Why did you come to Arizona to train for this fight? Since the first time I came to the U.S., I have uh, met with uh, Henry Saihudo and uh, Coach Eric, Captain Eric. So they already also greeted me in Chinese. So we have become friends after we after after that. Every time, you know, after I fought, fought um, he always invited me, Henry always invited me to come to train in Arizona, but because of the COVID, I never had the opportunity to come. And so far, how do you like it? Uh, I really like the training camp here. You know, it's um everybody has been very um you know very um very dedicated about preparing me for this fight. So you know, so far it's all all, all very good. My old friends, uh, Captain Eric and Henry. Who's over there? Is that Captain Eric speaking? Who is it? Henry, who's talking over there on the side? No, no, no. It's oh, not. it's not. It's okay. Not. They love the camera, yeah. those guys. I love them. Tell them I miss them, okay? <laughs> Tell Captain Eric and Henry that I miss them. Okay. 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 <laughs> uh, you know, they like to dress up, those guys, with the crown, with the glasses. Are they trying to get you to wear a costume as well? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. You would consider it though. Not yet. It's maybe not her style. Yes, I can understand that. Um, and also, another change, I understand you've changed management too, right? Is that accurate? Yes. And and uh, it was an interesting one because your manager, Brian, he was managing you and Rose, and you did this after the fight. Why, why did you decide to do that? I think so, you know, just because uh, he managed both uh, me and Rose, I think it's uh, very difficult for him. Yeah, I can understand that. And so um, I, I want to ask you about the fight itself because I haven't talked to you since. In your opinion, what went wrong? I mean, obviously it was a tremendous kick by Rose and it was a, it was one of the, the highlights of the year. But looking back at the fight, relatively short fight, 
what do you think went wrong in that fight to led that led to the loss for you back in April? There's a reason why I didn't for you any time. Why should I do it? Why should I do it? 我觉得其实四月那场比赛，其实有很多很多的故事，对。但是我希望等我下次打比赛再给大家讲。嗯、mm. ，I think the the fight in April, there's a lot of things that didn't go as planned. But I want to uh tell everyone about that story after I'm winning this time. Okay, and and why is that? Just curious, and I respect that uh very much. But why do you want to wait till after the fight to tell everyone? 为什么？他说：“为什么你希望等比赛这场比赛结束以后再告诉？”嗯，我就是想打完比赛以后给大家就是讲一个完整的故事吧。嗯 ，She said she just wanna have a complete story after this, uh, after the November fight to everyone. I understand. Uh, I I saw that you said in、uh, local media in China that uh you saw what happened to Chris Weidman's. Uh, leg, and then you had to go out right after, and it kind of distracted you. It messed you up, as it did many of us as well. Is that accurate? That you know, having to go out right after Chris's very gruesome leg injury against Uriah Hall kind of threw you off your game a little bit. He said, "Chris Weidman's leg injury will have a big impact on you." Actually, actually, it's because of my own problem. It's because I'm not focusing on myself. I should focus on myself. 自自己本身，而不是去看到那个那个画面，或者是在我脑子里面想，所以我就我觉，然后他还在那个媒体上跟在在那个 ins 上跟我说抱歉，其实根本不是他的问题，是我自己的问题。Uh, so so um yeah yes it affected her a little bit but um is uh she feel that really you know is is my is her own problem because she wasn't focused in enough. Uh, in the fight, so that that's reason why, you know, she didn't,、um, you know, she got distracted.、Mm -hmm. So, so、uh, and Chris even said in Instagram that, you know, he's sorry, but that's totally not. He's, you know, totally where is. I feel that it's her own problem because she wasn't concentrated. I just, you know, she just happened to saw it. It's not. Sure. I, as she said, there are so many, many、uh, factors、uh, that she didn't really focus on the fight. Okay.、Uh, and I'm assuming you don't want to say those now. You 现在不想说这些，各种原因。嗯，你看，就是我们的行程啊， um, 就是我们是在两个多星期以前来到美国，但是我们来到美国要坐两天两夜的飞机。我在飞机，就是我在路程上已经两天两夜。Yeah. So, for example, like、uh, their their schedule, you know, they came to the U.S. two weeks before the fight, and they have to spend two two and a half days on the flight. 对，两对，然后我们的那个，我们就是，然后还好我我们在要讲那个故事嘛，还好就是我们在佛罗里达有一个特别好的朋友帮我们。Yeah. So they're they're fortunate that they have a friend in Florida help them out. 
but um, yeah, it's just a long story. <laughs> I understand. Okay, I understand. Um, and so losing the belt and having to go all the way back home, how long did it take for you to get over that moment? Because I'm sure you were very sad and it was you know traumatic to, to get finished like that. For you, how long did it feel like you needed to get over it? Or maybe you aren't over it yet and you need to get over it on November 6th. How, how, would, how would you describe the aftermath of the fight?在场上我就是表现的非常不好因为我当时真的就是太不甘心了就感觉比赛没有开始就结束了然后带着这么多的团队然后经历了这么多困难然后来到这儿比赛没开始就结束心里特别特别不甘心就是很不接受但是过了我
。其实我觉得，因为因为我们大家都爱这个运动，喜欢这个运动，所以我们就是相聚在一起，包括很多观众，我们喜欢这里，嗯、我们才相聚在在这个体育馆里看我们比赛。然后运动员，我觉得就是一个交流，就是一个切磋。就是在我的印象里，我觉得就是我们都是舞者，我们就是以舞会友来交朋友的。但是，我觉得。So so in my mind, yes, I I think that those comments across the line because, uh, I think the all the audience, all the fighters, we all come together at UFC or in the Octagon is because we all have a uh we all share the passion of um of the MMA sport and um. You know,、uh, in my mind, you know, I'm I'm coming here because I want to、uh, make friends, or yeah, make friends、uh, because we all have the common love of martial arts.、Um, go on. 对，然后就是我觉得体育里面不应该掺杂这些不好、正正的东西。然后 I I think it's not not a good thing to mix sport at with politics. 嗯，但是我觉得这是他的计划。But I think that's maybe her plan. 但是我一开始没有觉得他会影响我，我就觉得就说了就说了，我我也没有回应，我也没有当回事。嗯，呃，然后但是、嗯、对，就我就觉得他说垃圾话嘛，我就没有当回事、嗯。但是到了现场，我才知道他为什么这么说。嗯 ，So in the beginning, I thought it's just a kind of trash talk. It really didn't affect me. But when I go 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 out uh to the state uh stadium, I got booed. I think maybe Rose wanted to use to make those comments just make inside the Audience to Umi. Um. Yeah. Very, very unfortunate. And、uh, you, you certainly don't deserve to be booed, in my opinion. Um. And so after the fight, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people thought that maybe Carla Sparza would get the next fight against Rose. How did you get the title fight? What did you do to get the rematch right away? Maybe there's still a lot of people want to see us to see a real fight between me and Rose because last time the fight did not even start. Were you surprised that they went back to you? Did you think that they would go to Carla first and you would have to fight someone to get back to the title shot? No, I'm not really surprised because you know after the fight, I was uh you know I I made a statement in the social media that I want a rematch, and I believe that there is a lot of the audience wants to see a rematch. But I really appreciate UFC giving me this opportunity, and also Rose to take on this fight.、Uh, there is a big、uh, Chinese community in New York City.、Uh, I'm wondering if you think this time you will be cheered that you'll have a lot of、uh, your fellow countrymen and women in attendance at Madison Square Garden to cheer you on. And, and also, by the way, have you ever been to New York City、um, in your in your past? <laughs> 就是这次就是在纽约打，纽约有一个很大的华人群，觉得不会有很多的纽约的华人来现场给加油。然后那个，你之前去过纽约？我之前去过纽约，但是我还没有去过那个麦迪逊花园那个那个体育馆。对，我很期待那天的比赛。我觉得，我觉得，我觉得
I think, um, yeah, I have been to New York City once, but I've never been to Madison Square Garden. You know, I'm very much looking forward to the fight, and uh, I want to see. I, I, I also expecting there are some, uh, you know, Chinese audience would want to go to cheer me. But I also adjusted my uh, mentality. I think even if audience uh, boost me, I think they just like me. <laughs> I, I like that. Yes. A lot of the, the, the most popular fighters are the ones that are getting booed. And, and, and back home in China, is this a big deal? Is this fight? Is this getting a lot of attention? Are you getting a lot of attention? Do you feel like even though you're still, you know, not the champion again yet, uh, that people are covering you like a star back home in China? What is it like? So, uh, yeah, in China, there's a lot of um, MMA fans. They are very uh, interested in this fight. And, um, you know, uh, they have been supporting me, um, you know, the same, same in the same way that as I was a champion. So, um, yeah. And how is life back there? Uh, in China now, um, with with the pandemic, is is it starting to get back to normal? What is it like? Yes, in China, the 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 pandemics uh, is uh, being much better, and everybody. Being, uh, you know, work um, and uh, to travel and as usual. Yeah, we have a very strict, uh, you know, COVID uh, prevention protocol. So that's, um, you know, so that has been uh, controlled. Okay, uh, just two last quick questions. Uh, number one, uh, who will be in your corner for this fight? So it will be a mix uh, for my Chinese coach and the U.S. coaches. So I think um, uh, uh, Captain Eric and Eddie Chow will be uh, in, our in my corner. N not Henry. Uh, we would love to have a Henry. Because Henry will have a baby very soon. We oh. certainly love to have him in your corner, but we, we understand that maybe he will have a baby at that time. But Henry has been, uh, you know, my coach the whole thing, the whole process. Every day uh, he's teaching me something about wrestling. Just all kind of uh, wrestling and the ground pump, all that, okay. all that good stuff. And so, with that in mind, how do you think you beat Rose on November sixth? So I'm very excited about it. I I think the audience should just uh, watch the fight and see what's gonna happen. Okay.
Fair mm-hmm. enough. Uh, Zhang, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, happy to see that you're in good spirits, smiling, healthy, and very much looking forward to this fight in uh, a little less than a month in New York. When you come to New York, I'm in New York right now, this show in New York, you right. can come in studio and uh, greet us if you have the time. Thank you. See you in New York. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for the translation as well, guys. I really appreciate it. All the best. There she is, Zhang Wei Li. Big time fight coming up on uh, November 6th. UFC Madison Square Garden. You know, anytime they go to MSG, they bring a good card. They bring a big time card, a loaded card. And uh, if you ask me, this one is uh, is pretty damn great. Of course, the first one was back in the day, UFC 205, 2016. Uh, the Conor McGregor fight. Eddie Alvarez. Conor becomes champ champ. DC fought there. I'm doing the old, uh, oh, he did, he did drop me down a little bit there. It was nice. It was subtle. The old lean back, lean back, lean back, lean back. Um, George Bisping, but this is a great one. Kamar Usman versus Colby Covington. Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Wei Li. Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, which is going to be incredible. Luke Rockhold versus Sean Strickland is a fun fight. The return of, uh, of Luke. Lucky Luke, Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Chito Vera, Bobby Green versus Ally Quinta. This is prelims. Ian Gary making his much anticipated UFC debut against Jordan Williams. Alex Pajeda making his UFC debut. Edmund Shabazian returning. I mean, this is big time stuff. TJ Laramie, Shane Burgos against Billy Quarantillo. And of course, the legend. I mean, to round it all out. The absolute legend, John Volante, on the card. Not fighting Todd Duffy. But he's still on the card. Um, All right. Whoops. Time now to answer some questions. And I believe uh, you guys are liking this segment very much. And by the way, some people write me like, come on, guys, in the chat, we don't want to disable the chat, but we might have to. Clean up your act. Enough with the nonsense. Like, I'm just looking at this right now. We might have to just disable this thing because it's, it's getting embarrassing. Um, let's, 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 clean up, let's clean up the act over here. I mean, come on, guys. Act, who are these people? Who are these psychos that write these things? On, on the internet. It is a bizarre place, a cesspool of humanity. And uh, let's go to some internet questions. How about that? What a transition that is. Of course, everyone buzzing about the On The Nose segment. It has become a staple of this program. You ask me questions, I answer you uh, in the most unfiltered, uncensored way possible. Everyone buzzing over the, uh, the birth of Hiawani on this program a few weeks ago as a result of the questions asked in this segment and of course at first it was a very sort of you know DIY operation but thanks to our good friend and colleague the great Mike Heck we now have a theme song I mean it's just a great thing to be a part of and so without further ado MF hit my music baby it's time for a good old fashioned Q&A MMA fans 
ladies and gentlemen, the moment has arrived to hear from the man himself, Ariel Helwani. Live from the Vox Studios in beautiful New York City, it's On The Nose. And now, to answer your questions, get out of your seats and on your feet because here he is, Ariel Helwani. Fantastic stuff, Mike Hag. Congratulations on your Red Sox winning. Still bummed about that whole thing. Blue Jays getting completely screwed. But nevertheless, I'm happy that the Yankees and their annoying, entitled fans are saying bye-bye. Enough of those guys. I've had enough of them. Every loss. We deserve better. We're 27. Get out of here. Move on. All right. Time now to answer some questions, arielhawani.substack.com. Now, last week, Mysterious Frank said, hey, you're, you're going with the new ones first. Not fair. You got to go with the, uh, the chronological order. I thought I was going with the top-rated ones. Apparently, I screwed that up. And so uh, let's, uh, let's go with chronological, and let's uh, go to Ryan Diamond, who is first eight hours ago. By the way, what's the final count? 76 as of right now. 75, 76, 76. Okay, uh, let me go chronological. Here we go. Uh, Dana's comments last night didn't seem to indicate he's fully against Volk Cejudo. What do you think is the possibility we see this fight next for Volkanovski? Here's a lesson that Henry Cejudo is learning right now. Henry Cejudo is learning a valuable lesson, and it's a lesson that George St. Pierre learned. Uh, Conor McGregor learned it to a degree. But of course, they didn't have the same clout that Henry does. In other words, they had more. But the point is, Henry Cejudo is learning that when you're a UFC champion and you retire, but aren't necessarily serious about retirement, there are repercussions. There is nothing probably that pisses off Dana White more, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure, you know, things I say, fight or pay, you know, I'm sure they're up there. But I got the impression over the years that there is nothing that pisses off Dana White more than a champion vacating a title. It throws everything out of whack. And I don't think he liked the fact that Henry did it. And I don't think he liked the way in which Henry did it. Beat Dominic Cruz, big time fight, return after the pandemic. And then an hour later, less than an hour later, he's at the press conference and he's saying, well, you know, for the right kind of money... Uh, I'll come back. And then ever since then, a year and a half later, he's still talking about coming back. And now he wants to fight Volkanovsky. Now, for the record, I said, once they book the Max Holloway fight, that's kind of the fight to make. Max Holloway's fighting against Yair Rodriguez in November. Alex Volkanovsky wants to stay active. Now, of course, bumps and bruises coming off that war against Brian Ortega. But now the timeline's are not in sync. My initial suggestion would have been just do Max Holloway versus Alex Volkanovsky. Obviously, they're not doing that. And so I actually don't hate the idea of Cejudo trying to make history jump up, let that be a one-off, and then you can move on. I actually don't hate it. I actually will say I'd like it. It's a big deal. It's a big-time fight. There's no obvious guy out there. You know, there's Giga out there. There's Holloway, obviously. Yeah, you're coming back. I actually don't hate it. I would support it. If they booked that fight right now, you wouldn't hear a peep out of me. And that's the difference between me and other people. No grudges here. It's always unbiased. Henry and I don't really speak that much anymore. He turned on me. And that's fine. The old heel turn. 
I would say, was not exactly the most effective one because he's out there looking like nobody beats the Wiz. Uh, but nevertheless, it was the old screw job. And that's good. More power to him. I would say right here and now, despite the screw job, despite the knife in the back, I would be in favor of that fight. I think what he's learning is when you're a champ, you shouldn't vacate the title and then use it as a power play. They don't like that. It doesn't sit well. Now, yesterday, Dana White said, tough conversation. Sound like he kept the door a little bit open and maybe there needs to be a face-to-face. I think they should look to it. I think they should be open to it. Um, And given the timelines, unless they've got some other trick up their sleeve, I don't think it's the worst idea of all time. Mr. Hawani, what does your featherweight goat list look like? Uh, Jose Aldo's in that mix. Connor has to be in that mix because he beat, you know, uh, he beat the the king in 13 seconds. Volkanovski has to be in that mix. Holloway has to be in that mix. Probably those four. Uh, this is a weird question. Ariel, love your show. Only true MMA show in my book. I agree. That's not the weird part. Um, is it true that you said publicly during a conversation in a local pub, all right, now we know it's a lie because I haven't been in a local pub in God knows how long, that Alexander Rakic would smash John Jones, Jan Bachovic, and Yuri Pochaska in the same night? If it's true, I agree 100%. No, but I'm glad you agree. I did not say that. Uh, Ariel, can you explain Cejudo retiring and with about two weeks asking for fights with anyone who has a name slash belt? The cringe gimmick was funny at first, but it's played out by now, and I believe he thinks he's a much bigger draw than he actually is. Yes, that is true. He thinks he's a much bigger draw. He's not GSP. He's not Connor. Now, he's one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen. His resume speaks for itself. He's, uh, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's a two-time uh, division champion. He's a flyweight champ. He's a bantamweight champ. I mean, you cannot take anything, regardless of what you think about this man, and actually cut a pretty good promo, if I'm being honest, to my man Mark Ramundi of ESPN on Monday, I think. Uh, regardless of what you may think about this guy, like his resume speaks for itself. I-, I think he's living the gimmick now. I think he's worked himself into a shoot, and I think he needs to he needs to pivot. Whatever this is, next gear, pivot. Again, I remind you, Back when, you know, we were rolling deep, he was rubbing elbows with the Bella Twins. Now it's nobody beats the Wiz. I mean, this is just going to happen. I move my hands a lot. You know, I'm just that kind of guy. This is an absurd question here. What is going... Listen to this question here. Last week, I asked for a short, concise. Hiawani, please assign high school yearbook-esque awards for fighters weight class. What would they be? Are you kidding me right now? Best dressed. Best personality, best comedian, most likely to be president, most likely to be cult leader, most likely to win the Nobel Peace Prize, most likely to get lost. At Dis- Are you kidding? Driver, attendance, creative, gullible. What is this question? It's one of the weirdest questions I've ever gotten. I don't even know. Like, shout out to Lemonade, but I can't. Uh, Patrick. I mean, we've got too many questions. We've got 75 questions here. I mean, we've got a long, you know, we're, and we're waiting for the good stuff. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Tag me in. This is me with the string in the corner, turnbuckle, Saturday night's main event. I'm asking for the hot tag right now. The crowd wants me to come in. They're asking, but until I get the tag, I can't jump in. He'll want it. Can you see a scenario when Connor is ready to come back? Do they do the Nate Trilogy for Comain? 
they do the Nick Robbie trilogy. No, first of all, Connor and Nate would never be the co-main. Nate, it's, it, I mean, I don't know if Nate's sticking around till next summer to fight Connor. He's trying to get a fight in by the end of the year, early next year. I would love to see it, but there's a part of me that wonders if the ship has sailed. By the way, a fight that I would love to see for Nate, I'd love to see the Vicente Luque fight, a fight that people don't talk about enough. Nate Diaz, Nathan Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. Why not? Both coming off losses. Both need a big fight. Both need a big win. Both have history. Now, it would have to probably be at 55. Maybe Tony goes up, but uh, and I know Diaz feels a certain way about that, but like they were supposed to fight back in the day. Why not? Uh, with Derek Brunson and Kayla Harrison coming on the show, does that mean other dominance fighters will come on? You and Frankie Edgar always had great interviews. Much respect to Frankie, much respect to Kamar Usman, much respect to Kelvin Gaslam, much respect to Vicente Luque and Henry Cejudo, Habib Nurmagomedov, all those guys. Never a problem here. Despite what they, they will say to you, they'll say uh, two-weight street and you guys need to clear up your beef and you guys need to do this. Never a problem here, as I've said time and again. And again, listen to my words. Before you spout off and start saying that I'm creating drama, I'm saying right now there is no beef here despite the things that were done to me, despite trying to get me fired, despite trying to put me in a bad spot at my former employer, ESPN. No bad blood, shake your hand, move on, we'll go, you know, in a positive direction. And so that's on Derek and Kayla. Much respect. You know how I feel about Kayla. And I was really happy to, uh, to hear that Derek wanted to come on. <clears throat> but no, to the best of my knowledge the embargo has not been lifted. And if they don't want to lift it, that's on them. That's totally on them. Um, Shalom. If you could fight in the UFC, what weight class would you choose and who would be your dream fight? A lot of people think I'm smaller than I am. A lot of people joke that I'm a flyweight, that I'm a bantamweight. In reality, I'm actually 200 pounds, believe it or not. I mean... I don't know if you guys recognize the twisted steel and sex appeal that is running through these veins. So yeah, probably cut down to 85, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, my dream fight? No one. I would never even dream of fighting in the UFC. I don't have the, the, the cojones. I don't have the chutzpah. I don't have the panache. I don't have, I, I, they possess something. That's why I hold them in such high regard. They possess something that I can never dream of possessing. DNA that I never dream of possessing in my body. Uh, when are we going to see UFC events return to Canada? I haven't heard anything. Hopefully next year. Also, do you feel, who do you feel has to be next for Tony to get back on track? Let's go, Nathan Diaz. I just said it. I know, of course, you wrote this eight hours ago, so you can hear me say it. Uh, Ariel. You're a stylish guy. Any recommendations on a jacket brand? We won't receive the white stuff in Cincinnati quite like you do in New York, but it'll be dipping pretty low soon. Uh, wow. I mean, I've never heard. I've got a great uh, Roots of Fight Brett the Hitman heart jacket. Anytime I wear it, I feel like the coolest kid in the world. Um, and yes, I know I'm 39, but still. Um, no, I don't know. People like Canada Goose, but I think they use uh, feathers from geese, or some or coyotes. That's a little weird. Canada Goose is very warm. I used to have one back in the day. In fact, John Gooden kind of made me feel bad, if I'm being honest. I went to dinner one time with John Gooden, part of the Michael Bisping-Anderson Silva fight, and I felt like such a schmuck afterwards because John Gooden is one of the biggest mentions out there, and he's a vegan, and uh, he sort of called me out on my jacket, so I got rid of it. 
Uh, Ariel, if Cody Garbrandt beats Kaikara France, does he jump Pantoja and fight the winner of Moreno Figueiredo? It's possible. Big draw, big name. I mean, Kaikara France, uh, not exactly an easy out, but uh, yeah, I mean, Garbrandt, Pantoja, them's the break sometimes, you know? Uh, we have seen them go with the bigger draw first. Dear Mr. Hilwani, what year did you start u ordering UFC pay-per-views and why did you order it? Who was on the card? The first digital pay-per-view that I ever ordered was UFC 66, and that was Liddell Tito. That's off UFC. I think it was still UFC.tv. The first pay-per-view that I ordered, I... Th so there was that period... So the early days, UFC 1, I watched it, not live, but my grandparents had one of those illegal boxes where you can watch all the pay-per-views, so all the wrestling stuff and you know, boxing, it was all on. And they would replay it over and over and over again. You just had to catch it. And so that's how I saw UFC 1, probably a few months after, a few weeks after. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I was sitting there on November 12, 1993, watching it live. I wasn't. I was, uh, what, 11 years old. But I did watch it shortly thereafter. I was aware of it. And, you know, I knew the characters and Ken Shamrock and all that stuff. Hoist, of course. I think the first one that I actually bought was when I was in college. Um, 2001 or so, because at that point I'm sitting, I have no friends, I have nothing to do, and I'm ordering everything. I was such a loner in college, and dare I say loser, that I used to order the Wednesday night TNA pay-per-views for $5.99. Who remembers those? Every Wednesday, instead of having a TV deal, NWA TNA had a pay-per-view, and I would order those. That's how much I was uh, jonesing for something to do. Uh, how often do you drop the F-bombs in your private life? Because I must admit, these last two months of having Mr. Hilwani drop F-bombs, every two to three podcasts that you're on has gotten me, uh, has gotten me taken aback a little. I kind of miss the sweet, innocent Hilwani, but I do appreciate Mr. Hilwani better because he keeps it effing real. Someone gave me crap for it. So I'm going to, listen, I do, I do have a bit of a potty mouth, if I'm being honest. You, like, you people think you know me. And it's not like I've been, you know, having a front, but you know, you're professional, you're coming up. You are now for the first time, I think, finally seeing the real, real me. There's no front. There's no persona. There's no buttoned up, even though I'm wearing a button up. I'm just me. And so if I'm excited like I was on Monday and I need to drop an F-bomb because it slips out and I'm just riding high, then so be it. I'm not going to overuse it. I'm not going to overdo it. That's cheap. That's salacious. But this is me. Like I said, I'm not just a gimmick. I'm living it. Unfiltered, uncensored. Connor fighting at 145, no chance. Uh, excluding Connor, who do you see as the five biggest draws in the sport today? Oh my. Um, wow. Excluding Connor. Uh, well, excluding Connor, uh, Nate Diaz has to be up there. Khabib not up there. Is Jones still a draw? Is Kamaru a draw? I mean, that's the pound for pound list. Izzy, I think, is up there. I think Francis should be up there, but it's unfortunate. There's a report out of France today that they're looking at January 22nd for the surreal gun fight, so that's good. Um, Max, Stipe. <clears throat> not a lot of time. You know, Dustin, for sure. His stock has gone up. So those are some of the names. Why does Dana 
tolerate all these domestic violence cases with fighters. John Jones and Mike Perry, among others, have, and there'll be no repercussions. Mike Perry did have to... Uh, well, Mike Perry's situation totally different. Um, to the best of my knowledge, he was never arrested, charged with anything so different. Um, he did have to go through anger management for that other incident. I mean, look, I can't answer that question. That's a tough one. Obviously, there are rules, and there are different rules for different fighters. We know this, but you know that's that's a question that you have to ask them. Uh, Ariel, love the Fury interview from Monday. Thank you for continuing your excellence in MMA journalism. Thank you. Uh, Andrew Schultz would have to pull a big tuna upset to dethrone Hiawani. Yes, I agree. Uh, there's this comedian, again, who I mentioned uh, to Dan Hooker, who's doing this gimmick that he's the greatest MMA journalist of all time, and I don't even know why. I think he may have said something that pissed people off, so now he's just leaning in, and people think that I'm being trolled, and I'm almost like insulted by the idea that someone thinks that I'm that dumb to be trolled by a comedian. Obviously, I know it's a gimmick and a joke and all that stuff, but I guess I'm just kind of, I mean, like, is anyone else tired of these fourth or fifth rate comedians just sort of infesting MMA? Like, I get you guys are fans and everything, and that's cool, but could we just keep it as such and, and, and leave the the analysis and the interviews and the big boy talk to the big boys, to the ones who do this for a living. I don't know. I saw a response. Everyone's telling me like, watch out, watch out. He's going to come like, and I saw, and I was like, okay, is that, I mean, I kind of think he's a fan. I mean, if he wants to come on the show, if he wants an eight by 10, you know, if he wants a cameo, I'll make it happen. Like it feels like he's a fan. He doesn't really, and I don't really want, like, I don't know. I never heard of him. I thought people were talking about Charles Schultz. I was like, what are we talking? You know, isn't that the Charlie Brown guy? Um, he's talking about my nose. Like, I mean, he seems to know a lot. I mean, I never, never heard of him. Uh, but he seems, I mean, any, like I said, anyone who's a friend of Izzy's is a friend of mine, in my opinion. He's got great taste. So I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, more beefs. Um, I am confused by like the one comment and everyone saying 10, 7, 10, 8. First of all, it's my gimmick. Second of all, uh, if that's a 10, 7, 10, 8, I mean, what I've been dropping lately, I mean, that those are like 10 threes. Come on, guys. Like, we can't just be throwing these things out like candy, you know, on Halloween night. You got to work for it. So anyway, I went on a tangent there. Uh, when can we expect Bryce Mitchell to come back? I don't know. I think he wants to come back. He's been, uh, he's been antsy, but nothing yet. Uh, assuming that you cannot run away, who would you rather fight? Three Henry Cejudos stacked on top of each other or one Brock Lesnar? Definitely the three because I feel like they would topple over, right? <clears throat> Ariel. Have you ever inquired about getting Kaposa on your show? Kaposa is a legend. I have an immense amount of respect for him. Twitter legend. Uh, part of the fabric of being part of the MMA community is, you know, the guy, like the people like Kaposa. Those guys, they make being an MMA fan fun. MMA Twitter, people like to talk about whatever the hell that is. Kaposa, Bohashino, Debo. These are fun guys to follow. Kaposa is just a freaking... I mean, the guy's an encyclopedia. He's literally watching right now, you know, Dagestan Fighting Championships 74. He's taking notes. He's tweeting about it. He's live tweeting as we speak. It's unbelievable how he knows that all these things are happening. He has forgotten more about MMA than I'll ever know. Um, And he's just a great follow. He's, to the best of my knowledge, uh, a very sort of reserved person. Um, He has been a huge help to me for the awards. I think I may have even extended an invitation at one point or another. 
um, but nothing really came to fruition and he wants to do his thing and he's a great service to us, so no more than that. Uh, but I'm a huge fan and there was a period where he was taken off Twitter and uh, it was good to see him come back. What are your thoughts on the Dan Hardy-Tyron Woodley beef? I don't know. Are they going to fight? I like Hardy a lot. I really do. I have an immense amount of respect for him. I think he's one of the best minds in the business. And I was sad to see him part ways with the UFC, but uh, it seems like he's doing great for Cage Warriors. By the way, shout out to the Cage Warriors team. Uh, Brad, Dan, they do a great job. My old friend, uh, Edith LaBelle, they all do a great job. They really do. Cage Warriors has a nice little package going. They really do. Um, I just don't know. Does Dan want to fight? Does he not want to fight? I don't know why he wants to fight. Maybe we'll have him on the show. Uh, because his last fight was 10 years ago. He had the heart issue. Like, why even do this? Why even entertain this? I know he's been going back and forth with John Wayne Parr, Tyron Woodley. Maybe we'll have him on to talk about it. But he's a great mind. Just watch your interview with Renee Paquette. Do you plan on returning the favor? Absolutely. Huge fan of Renee Paquette, Renee Young. Um, I would love to talk to her one day where I'm the interviewer. Um, all right. Let's uh, keep it rolling here. Good afternoon, Ariel. Surreal guy. Looks like he has a nice jump shot. Would we ever see some hoops content on your personal YouTube page? I mean, me, uh, lest we forget, Benson Henderson challenged me, nor to be found. Demetrius Johnson challenged me, nor to be found. Daniel Cormier challenged me, nor to be found. I would take Surreal Gown down on the block, back him up, back him up, back him up, a la Charles Barkley back in the day. A little one, a little two, a little shimmy, a little dream shake, if you will, and I would just completely scorch him. I mean, it wouldn't even be close. So of course, if he wants some of this smoke, I'd be happy to oblige in that regard. Uh, thank you for being such a professional and enthusiastic bridge to my favorite sport. You make MMA so much better. Wow. Um, MMAQ. Is it conceivable that we'll see the creation of a national international commission? I have been campaigning for this for a long time, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon. I would love the idea of one American commission where we have the same rules, same regulations, same leadership, state to state. Like, I would love that, but I don't know if it's happening anytime soon. Sign me up, though. Open scoring, sign me up. Uh, Non-MMAQ. Reading the Wikipedia entry listing common misconceptions, I learned that being tattooed may not actually preclude one from being buried in a Jewish cemetery, as is commonly believed. So tell us about the sleeve you'll be getting. Ha! <laughs> I would love to get a sleeve. I think it would be cool. I don't think if I have, you know, like I don't have the physique for it and I actually still, regardless of what you may say about the Wikipedia entries, uh, I actually kind of feel like based on what I've been told, I can't be buried in the Jewish cemetery and that's a big deal for me. Um, but it would be great. A little color would be nice. Not the ones where it's just like ink. That's weird. It's like, what? It's just black? Non-related MMA question, but it relates to your boy, Vladdy Jr., my man. How can you sincerely say that Vladdy's the MVP over Shohei Otani? P.S. I subscribe just to ask this question. Thank you. Uh, okay, uh, one of the greatest years of all time. Look, I understand that Shohei is doing something that no one has seen since Babe Ruth, and I understand that it's uh, somewhat of an anomaly. But if we're just looking at, A, his impact on his team, that team is nowhere near the playoff picture without Vladi, considering his age, historically what he has done at his age, 22. I mean, he's in the conversation with Ty Cobb, for God's sakes. Uh, I think that Vladi, and now him making the playoffs probably would have helped. Uh, I think Vladi had a better year. Now, of course, there's the pitching component, but what did that do? They were nowhere near the playoff picture. 
And so if you want to give it to Shohei, you know, before he hangs it up as a pitcher and focuses on batting, fine, go ahead and do it. But if you ask me who was more valuable, who was the most valuable player to his team in the American League, there's only one answer, and it's the great Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You often talk about uh, an independent MMA Hall of Fame. What would have to happen for it to be a reality? A lot. I mean, one thing that these other Hall of Fames have, writers, media guys, you know, we're, we're working on the MMAJA, but it's not quite, you know, a flowing thing. It's in a much better place now. Josh Gross being president is massive. He's doing a great job. Uh, I feel more momentum behind it than ever, but we have a lot of things to do before we start thinking about a Hall of Fame. So perhaps a sponsor, <clears throat> there's a lot that needs to happen. Probably not happening anytime soon, but I think before my days are done, and hopefully that's not tonight, I think we'll see it. Uh, happy belated Simchat Torah. What was your bar mitzvah parsha? I don't remember, but holy smokes, that's a random question. Um, I still put my tefillin on till this day, a little known fact for those that know what that is. Um, Ariel, hope all is well. Why do you believe we don't see more interim champions defend the title when a champion is out? By the way, still standing here waiting for the tag. Waiting for the hot tag, and I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, like the old days when Brown Frank Muir did it. Do you believe this should happen more, especially when a champion is legitimately injured? Oh, that's the interim title thing? I think they were less... I, I noticed it. I saw it. Uh, I felt it in my ears. I think that they were less eager to strip the titles back then. Now they want to move things along. By the way, there are more events now, so there's a need to have the title fights, that sort of thing. Where's Josh Emmett? I want to know. Yeah, he had a bunch of injuries. I think he's still uh, nursing those. What is one fight that you could think of that you wish had happened or bothers you that it never happened? Brock Lesnar against Fyodor Emelianenko or Randy Couture against Fyodor Emelianenko or Anderson Silva versus GSP, although I wasn't really one to uh, really campaign for that fight. Izzy versus John Jones would be up, up there. Uh, uh, John Jones versus Francis Ngannou would be up there as well. When will Connor make his return to the MMA Hour? Uh, I've reached out. Of course, you know me. I reach out to all the big names, and I know he's in the States. Uh, open invitation. I'd love to have him on. Uh, you know, we, we, we have an open line of communication, uh, would be great. You know, if he was, if he's in New York in studio would be nice, uh, via the old zoom machine, Skype machine. So one of these days, hopefully we'll have him back on. Hypothetically speaking, if Wilder wins on Saturday, uh, the series would be one, one, one with both fighters want a fourth match. Viva Hiawani. Uh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. We saw a fourth, uh, fight between Marquez and Pacquiao back in the day. Ah, uh, yes. Um, what has impressed you most about working with BT Sport? I, I like them very much. Great guys, great lads. And uh, I like their vibe. I like their vibe very much. Uh, hello, Ariel. On your IG story today, you posted a screenshot of you listening to Hit Em Up. Oh, what a great song by Tupac. One of the great diss tracks of all time. Yes, 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 yes. One of the great diss tracks of all time. I used to listen to that song before every basketball game. In, uh, in high school, because it would just fire me up. The passion, the emotion, uh, the animosity, the hatred, it just got me in the right mental space. Is there context behind this or anything you'd like to get off your chest? And so I'll consider that the hot tag, even though it's not exactly the tag I was looking for. I'll consider that the hot tag, if you will, because we're running out of time. And so I know a lot of you want me to respond 
to Brendan Schaub on his show. A great soliloquy, a great rant, uh, 10 or so minutes. Thank you to the P.F. Chang's crew for the clip. I would never know otherwise, of course. Why would we know? We don't check social media, right? We don't know what's going on. Uh, And, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, again, do I have to go over this? Again, do we have to talk about this? It's the the, 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 the subtle, not so subtle shots. It's the passive aggressive. It's the quick mentioning of the name. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to drum it up all over again. But then there's a bigger part of me that is tired of the bullies, tired of the BS artists, tired of the fake people. And so I kind of feel compelled, if I may, on behalf of the MMA community to speak up. And if I may, and they haven't asked me to do this, to perhaps, I don't know, defend our honor. And so I came away from that little clip with a few conclusions. Number one, the biggest one was this man, this man legitimately thinks that he is better than us. I want you guys to realize that. This man thinks he's better than us. And when I say us, I don't just mean me. I don't just mean the MMA media. I mean you as well. Watch the demeanor. Listen to the words. This man thinks that he is better than us. And he's sitting back and he is talking about, you know, having talent, not having talent, careers, money, jobs, places in life pecking orders, what you've done, what you haven't done, and casting all kinds of conclusions on people, all kinds of aspersions, all kinds of of fabrications on people when really, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And he sits there and he talks about how he wants to be positive and he talks about how he wants to, you know, have a good peaceful life. Meanwhile, this is the guy who's been talking shit for the past five years. This is the guy who is literally sitting there while talking about being positive, insulting MMA media, saying that they're irrelevant, calling them hacks, while saying that he wants to be positive. This is the guy who, after five years of listening to his lies about not just me, but others as well, finally made me snap. Don't get it twisted. This is not a positive fellow. Don't fall for it. It's again fake and phony. And now I can't wait to see who calls me, who texts me this time to say, hey, we want to be friends, Olive Branch, and then not follow through. Because last time it was Brian. The first time it was Brendan. Who's going to follow up this time? Is it Shrimp? Is he going to follow up? I'm tired of the fakeness. And all I said was, all you guys had to do was apologize cleanly once and for all. And this would be over. I wouldn't keep bringing it up. In fact, I'd probably ignore the question like I ignore some of the other questions that people try to get me to answer that are, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. But you don't. You make it worse. You sit there and you talk about how MMA media are a bunch of hacks. You sit there and you talk about how MMA media are a bunch of losers who never walked into the fire, who are just weathermen, who have no talent. First of all, let me explain something to all the fighters, all the managers, all the promoters, all the hanger-ons, all the sisters, all the brothers, all the mothers, all the fathers involved in MMA, in the MMA community. Let me be very, very clear about something right here and now because we've heard it since the beginning of time. We've heard it since we all started. MMA media are hacks. They're losers. They can't hang. They don't know what they're doing. These are the men and women who have devoted their lives in some way, shape, or form to covering you. They're the ones who have told editors, 
hey, you should focus on this sport. You should focus on these fights, on these fighters, on these organizations. We're usually the first to go, believe it or not. But these are the people that focus on you and cover you and think and talk about you 24-7. It's not the other media that you wish you were covered by. Trust me, I just came from the mainstream. They don't know you like we know you. They don't care about you like we care about you. They don't follow you and cover you like we do. And so whenever you guys talk about MMA media being hacks, what does that say about you? What does that say about you when the people who have devoted their lives to covering you are the hacks, are the losers? What does that say about you? Think about what you're saying about yourself. These are the ones covering you. Do people talk about that in other beats? Oh, the baseball media. They're, yeah, of course, you may not like someone here or there. You may not be on the same page. But we hear this time and again from these people. Oh, they're hacks. They're this, they're that. They've never been through the fire. Meanwhile, not every political reporter has run for president. Not every, every film critic has, 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 has made a movie. Not every restaurant critic has run a restaurant. It's a tired, lazy, BS excuse to hide from the other stuff. And you talk about these op-ed pieces. So there was this piece in, 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 in Bloody Elbow about Joe Rogan. First of all, I don't agree with the piece. I think Joe Rogan is a valued member. I think he's an important part of the sport. I think he should be in a Hall of Fame. He has done a tremendous amount of good for the sport. I have no issues with Joe Rogan's place in the sport. My only issue is the one that I said back in the day, 2016, when he spread the lie, and I'm over it. I don't care. Honestly. My uncle goes on his show. It's all good. But this, uh, this article was saying that Joe Rogan should be removed from the broadcast. Now, I don't agree with that. I think the way they use him is perfect. 12 shows, it's perfect. Pay-per-views, it feels like a big deal. He's a star. He's one of the biggest comics in the world, one of the biggest podcasters in the world. It makes sense. He was there in the dark days. He's there now. He loves the sport. And then for 35 other events or whatever the number is, 31 events, you get Bisping and you get DC and you get Paul Felder and you get Dominic Cruz and you get, you know, obviously Anik and, 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 and Brendan Fitzgerald and, and John Gooden and Laura Sanko. I mean, you get the best of the best. So I don't agree with it. But every time there's an opinion piece, they're like, this isn't journalism. First of all, you talk about people who don't know what you've been through. Who are you to talk about journalism? What the hell do you know about journalism? Because you sit in front of a microphone? You know about journalism because you've been interviewed by people you know about journalism? You don't. And if you did, you would know that since the beginning of time, since the beginning of media, since the beginning of papers, newspapers, internet, radio, the op-ed piece, the opinion piece, the column has been a part of journalism. Everyone knows that there's opinion pieces in the paper. There's straight newsers in the paper. There's something for everyone. And so what's the difference? We're not allowed to have an opinion? That's a part of covering the sport. So you, you, know, you, you, you dismiss this like it's like, oh, that's not journalism. That's not this. Of course, it is journalism. It's a part of journalism. Talk about the hacks. Talk about the guys you know, who need to talk about you guys for clicks. First of all, they were talking about Rogan. They weren't talking about you. He has the talent you don't. Let's just call it like it is. He's the guy with the $200 million Spotify deal. You don't. 
And so don't lump yourself in on that fight. I think it's I think it's honorable. I, I will say I think it's honorable. The loyalty is nice. I will say that from the bottom of my heart. I like a guy who has a guy's back. Pause. But you know what I'm saying. I like a guy who defends the honor of his friend. You know what I'm saying? I respect that. Much respect. Honestly. But this had nothing to do with you. And you use this article as an opportunity to take shots on a bunch of people. And if I'm being honest, it felt like you were just talking about me. And that's why I'm spending so much time at the end of the show about this. And so let me clear up something right here now for the final time because it will be brought up over and over again and it will still probably be brought up. I have never in my life, in media, going on 15 years of doing this, I have never had a conversation with an editor, with a website where someone told me about clicks. Write about this, write about that. I've never been paid off of clicks. I've never been asked to make headlines that are click worthy clickbaity i've never these detractors these naysayers love to talk about the clicks and how we write stuff for no one cares about that you think that joe rogan piece is going to break the bank you think it's going to change the future of bloody elbow of vox media by the way vox owns bloody elbow i don't have anything to do with them but hey sister site you think that changes anything it doesn't stop saying that and even if it did, you're in the pay-per-view business, you're in the ticket-selling business, you're in the podcast business, people in the newspaper business, what do you think? They did things like just for the you know, sake of it, out of the goodness of their heart? Of course, everyone's here to make money. So like when you use that as a reason to hate on something, it's A, inaccurate, and B, stupid, because it's actually you know, the complete opposite of how people run business. People try to sell things the same way you try to sell merch to no one and rip off logos of other people, the same way you try to sell, you know, comedy tickets to no one. And then they have to combine the days the same way you try to put up podcasts to no one and pay for views and downloads. It's the same thing. You would like to have those clicks. You would like to have those listens. You would like to have those dollars and cents, but you don't. And, 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 and the issue is we're all in this to make money, but no one has ever, ever, ever said do this or that in order to get some clicks. Now, there were a couple shots, a couple pot shots at me that I must address. Uh, the, 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 the jobs. How many jobs have you been fired from? How many jobs have you had? Again, I wish he would just at me. I wish he would just, you know, say my name directly. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe Hiawani is, is, is too tough to say in a soliloquy like that. Um, let's correct the record. I've only been fired from one official job, and that was the Fox job. You know what happened there. You know that had nothing to do with me. You know they paid me for the rest of the year, and you know the reason why I uh, was let go was because the UFC told them to let me go. Now, you could bring up the Showtime gig as well. That was a three-day gig. It was a one-week gig. They paid me out as well, and that, again, was because of the UFC. Other than that, I have stood the test of time. And if you want to call up Bristol, Connecticut right now and ask them about the contract they offered me, go ahead. I was not fired. Now let's talk about you. College football, how'd that go? How'd NFL go? How did fighting go? How did comedy go? How did podcasting go? How did TV go? Did you achieve your goals? Did you realize your dreams? Did you make it to the top? 
Was your claim to fame being told by your friend that it was time to move on and it was a great moment? I mean, we talked about it on this show. He put you over. You were the biggest baby face in the biz. You had it. Silver platter. You had it. You were going after everyone. You were on this show, that show. You were the guy, the truth teller. But how did those gigs go? And how are they going now? Don't talk about other people's jobs. Again, you do this fake, fake gimmick where you're like, oh, holier than thou. I just sit back and I stay in my lane. I don't read anything. You do that whole gimmick. Meanwhile, you read everything. You're affected by everything. And then you throw these pot shots. Those who live in glass houses should not throw any kind of stone ever. And right now, that glass house is, I mean, it is right there. Wherever that, I mean, it is, it is sitting right there. Don't talk about people's jobs. That's how we got into this mess. Don't talk about people's livelihoods when you don't know. Again, you keep doubling down. You'll text me and you'll apologize and then you'll keep talking about it again. And so the bottom line is, tired of people like you spitting lies, BSing us all, pretending like you know what you're talking about. There's a reason I never spoke about you for five, six years. I never responded to you. I don't need to. You talk about how I need to have 17 guests or so on my show. First of all, five today, and they were great. Six if you count Pitbull. I love talking to these people. There's a reason why when I went to ESPN, they wanted to do Ariel and the Bad Guy in DC and Hawani. And actually the biggest point of contention between us was that I wanted to talk to too many people. If you look at the YouTube numbers on the nose, this segment does better than most of the fighters. But I love talking to the fighters. It's all about the fighters. It will always be about the fighters. So you can make fun all you want that I get 17 guests on my show, that I need these guests to get over, to get views, and that, oh, if we talk about you, that's how we get... I never uttered your name. I never said a word about you. You're the one who keeps talking about us. You're the one who keeps sitting there looking at the websites when your boy pulls them up and talking about us. And then you steal our ideas and our contents. You do it to Luke. You do it to Brian. You do it to me. You do it to everyone. You steal our ideas and you sit there and you pass them off as your own and you even botch it when you do it. You botch it when you do it every single time. You sit there and you rip off our ideas. It's plagiarism 101, except you're not writing anything. You're saying it and it's harder to catch that way. But trust me, we're all on to you. You sit there and you talk about Tyson Fury being your favorite fighter, and then you say that you want to slit your wrist when you hear about mental health in Tyson Fury. You truly love Tyson Fury. You fake phony. You care about his struggles with mental health. So you could say all that you want about the 17 guests. You could say all that you want about the fighters. I love talking to the fighters. I will always love talking about the fighters. And at least I don't pay them to come on my show. At least I don't have to pay them to come hang out and eat a taco with me. And at least I don't have them say, hey, you got to do this show if you want to do this show. You know what I'm talking about. If you want to shoot, we'll shoot. Stop talking about things when you're living in a glass house and you have no idea what is going on. If the knock that you have against me is that I, I have 17 guests on the show when I don't, but I have fighters on the show, big names, small names, middle names, medium names, God bless but at least I don't pay him to come on and at least I don't try to cut deals from one show to the next. And in conclusion, I'll just say, and this is a shout out to my friends over on the, uh, on the internet, the P.F. Changs community, the homeless cat community. 
And this is a message to everyone in the back over there. This is a message to any friend I have, to any family member I have, to any colleague that I have, to any associate that I have. If it ever gets to the point where I am big enough to where there is a Reddit page, any kind of web page, made in my honor to celebrate my show where they only talk about the podcast, if it ever gets to that point, congratulate me. But please do me a favor. Please, bottom of the heart, do me this favor. If it ever gets to that point where there's 40,000 or so people whose sole mission is to expose you and to call you out on your BS, please tell me to stop. Your own community turned on you. Your own community figured you out. And we know you're rattled by it. And I'm not a proponent of online bullying. But dare I say you brought this unto yourself, my man. You brought this upon yourself. One more time. Stop talking about me. Stop with the fake apologies. Just, you did it well the last couple of weeks. You didn't bring it up. You stayed in your lane. You were in the storm. We were reporting on the storm. Better that way. Joe Rogan doesn't need you to fight his battles. Do your thing. God bless. Stay in your lane. Do your shows. I wish you nothing but the best. But stop talking about me and the MMA media. Stop lying about the business, people's jobs, the fighters. Stop all of that. And again, I'll say I'm done. Until the next time, unless you want to just apologize once and for all on the air, like you said you were going to do, like you promised me that you were going to do, like Brian Callen said he was going to do and never did. Um, if you guys want to do that, then that would be great. And I would be here to uh, accept said apology. And so to go back to the original question, why I posted that screenshot. F Brendan Chubb. F the fighter and the kid. F below the belt. F that whole crew. And if you do want to be down with them, then F you too. Brian Callen, F you too. Shrimp, F you too. Dude in the back with the, with the, the websites, F you too. When I see them, they run. Okay, and I won't stop with the analogies, but you get the point. F all those guys. I'm done with them. Again. Once and for all, stop talking about us. We are done. And so that's my piece on that. Shout out to Omar. And it's crazy that I said it the first time. And then, I mean, blue, like, may you rest in peace. But I will remind you guys, it's not a gimmick. It's a lifestyle. If you come at the king, you best not miss. Once again, I don't care who you are. And, and you could stay in my good graces. You could stay awfully quiet, but you best not miss. And this guy and these guys, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, continue to miss. Clank, 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 clank. They continue to miss. Stop shooting. We're good. God bless. Enough. Two more questions. Let's not end on that note. Um, and then I'll say goodbye, giving you a little more. 
Shout out Ariel Hawani. Quick one this week. What has been your favorite part about having the MMA hour back in our lives? To talk to the freaking fighters, to talk to them in a free and unfiltered way, to bring them to you like we had Tyson, like we had Zhang Wei Li, like we had TJ Dillashaw, and to freaking tell it like it is once and for all, to not have anyone tell me you can't say this or that, to tell it like it is. Honestly, don't listen to all these people. There's these guys that come out. One of them I was talking to earlier in the day. <laughs> all make it. I will say to you right now, no one has emptied his closet out more for all of you. No one has told it to you like it is more. I will tell you when I messed up UFC Fox deal. And I'll tell you when I've been wrong. I, I will tell you when I have a, a Mia couple that I need to announce. No one has been more real. I believe that from the bottom of my soul. I wasn't as truthful over the last three years because I couldn't be, but you come here to me right here. I will tell it to you like it is, and I won't hide away from any of those BS artists out there who want to sling mud, who want to be bullies. Those days are over. Ridiculous essays here. I agree. Last one. What made you a Knicks fan? I walked into a shoe store. My brothers told me, buy those shoes. I said, sure. Whose are they? They were Patrick Ewing's, 1991. I fell in love with those team. Uh, those teams, the orange and blue, the hard hat Knicks, the tough guys, Oakley, Starks, Ewing, Pat Riley, Van Gundy, Mason, Xavier McDaniel, and I just bleed orange and blue. Kemba Walker is back in the city. Evan Fournier is on the squad. Julius Randle's back. Uh, uh, R.J. Barrett is back. Basketball, dare I say, is back in New York City, my friends. And with that, we're out of time. Big week of fighting coming up. Reminder, we're off on Monday. We're back on Wednesday. Mysterious Frank, you can hit my music, baby! It feels good to get things off your chest. It feels good to be real. It feels good to be honest. It feels good to say, look, I got nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not a liar. I don't make up things about people. I don't look down on people. Remember these people. They look down on you. They are not your equal in their minds. You're better than all of them. But remember that. They look down on you. They think they're better than you because you haven't walked the fire. You haven't been in the flames. Get out of here with that nonsense. Get out of here with that nonsense. And, 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 and if you were smart, you would leave the comedy bits to the comedians. And if you were smart, you would leave the MMA talk to the actual people who care about the sport, who love the sport, who actually watch the fights. Go do the other stuff. Go do the 50-seat amphitheater that you do. Go do the little comedy club. Go do the two-for-one specials. No one will miss you because no one wants that negativity. Your fake positivity, which is really negativity, no one wants that in their lives. Stop talking about us. Done. Once and for all. Can we end this right now? Can we end this right now? Are we done? I hope so. Thank you to all our guests. Thank you to everyone who stopped by. TJ Dillashaw, Zhang Wei Li, Scott Coker, Patricia Pitbull, uh, Mackenzie Dern, Tommy Fury. Thanks to the crew. Thanks to all of you. Viva Hilwani, baby. Back Wednesday. Same time and place. Tell this time. Peace. I'm out of here.
conversation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.